Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of August 2022, and uh, last month, the month of July 2022, uh, we just kind of fell ass backwards into a theme of covering films from week to week from the year 2002, so roughly 20 years ago. Uh, So uh, we found it fitting uh, to spend the month of August uh, taking it back to the present. Uh, So we're going to be reviewing some contemporary releases from the year 2022, Uh, and Kyle uh, had the pick this week. However, uh, initially, um, I was assigned the task of selecting a film to review, uh, to open the month and, uh, God damn it. Uh, it just didn't give me enough. And that says a lot because normally I can, I can, I can spin gold out of shit. Yeah. Uh, but this one, I was just like, you know, this is bereft of material to, to riff and or examine. Uh, that would be the Russo brothers uh, the gray man. Uh, again, from the year 2022, uh, it's a spy thriller. It's a solid 2.5 out of 5. It's fine, uh, which <laughs> is almost worse than being bad, if you ask me, especially when it comes to you know action movies where uh, there's so many tropes and, and recognizable motifs that uh, if your film is well and truly gray uh, in terms of the uh, impression that it makes on you, uh, your audience, that is, uh, it's going to ultimately be forgettable uh, and therefore not really worthy of being on a fucking podcast. So, Kyle, uh, what was your replacement pick uh, that we're going to be talking about today? Uh, I went with The Northman uh, from 2022, uh, directed by Robert Eggers. Uh, now, you had asked me initially if this was a movie that I was going to check out. And this went so under the radar for me. Like I found out about it when it was in theaters. I heard really not much about it. Uh, and I think kind of when I read the cast, I'm like, oh, it's Alexander Skarsgård. I'm like, eh, he's not he's not the selling Skarsgård for me. I, I like Dad. Uh, Stellan is more my more my guy. So I'm like, I don't know about this one. But honestly, had we not been in the bind for this, like if we hadn't chose this month, I don't know if I ever would have gotten around to it. Um, but I'm kind of glad I did because I think. I think I like this movie a lot, and I think after our conversation, I'm probably going to love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's a very accurate assessment of The Northman. Um, I think I liked it a yeah. lot. Yeah. Question mark? I'm Ron Burgundy? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> because, yeah, uh, this movie uh, did have a very, well, does uh, have a very mixed crit- critical re- like review score for it. Um, audiences are very, very divided on this film. Uh, and I find myself to be very, very defiant on this film. Uh, it has some truly incredible strengths. Uh, it does have some liabilities and weaknesses. Um, but on the whole, like by the time we get through this conversation, I think, I think I'm probably going to be in the same camp as you. Where it's like, I think I actually really like that a lot. I just don't think I was capable of realizing that in the moment. Like mm-hmm. I, you need to stew on it for a bit before it all before it all makes sense to you before it all gels to the, and bubbles to the surface. Um, but Kyle, why why did you pick this film in particular? Because like you said, it, it kind of arrived in theaters and and then I poked you about it, and so that's kind of how you became aware of it. But like, was this just like a housekeeping exercise for you, or or did you have some like actual hype for this going in? Well, 
honestly, I went into this because we went, I think we spent nearly two months doing horror movies. And shocker, the movies that I'm looking most forward to from 2022 are Ty West's X and uh, A24. I'm not sure who the director is, but Men, uh, the horror movie Men. Men is not available. You can buy it right now. I'm not buying it before I, you know, until I watch it. Uh, and I'm like, X, I'm like, that might be my other pick for this month. But I'm like, I gotta get something else that's not <laughs> not a horror movie. I'm like, The Northman. I'm like, I'm, I, I'm totally fine watching that. I have a reason to watch it now. Uh, but then when I... And I sat down to watch it. I had a I had a beer. I'm like, well, I have to have a beer while I watch The Northman. Obviously, you know, gotta have ale. Um, and I got really excited when it kicked in with a guy praying to Odin. I'm like, okay, this might actually be pretty awesome. Uh, I got pretty excited once it started. Yeah, it has a very strong opening in that way. But um, I, the reason why I was poking you so aggressively about the why. Uh, going in was just because uh, the director, yeah. uh, Robert Eggers, um, who, not to be confused with Ari Aster, uh, mm-hmm. who the two of them parallel each other so- somehow very, very strongly. I don't, I don't know how that happened, but it's hard to not think of the other when you think of one. As I was watching this, I'm kind of like, this isn't Ari Aster's bag. Like, this isn't his. I don't think that he would be interested in telling this story or this, like, or even this time period, but I'm like, Ari Aster would have given us something different. It would have been way more violent. It would have been a slower burn, but I think it would have probably given us, an, he would have given us an incredible ending. And I was thinking, I'm like, if Ari Aster got his hands on this, I'm like, it could be something special. Yeah, uh, I, I tend to agree. But um, yeah, Robert Eggers, only, as far as I know, only has three features under his belt at the moment. Uh, the Vich, or The Witch, mm-hmm. uh, being, I think, his, his debut. And then. Uh, the Lighthouse, which I have not seen. I actually saw The Witch in the theater. Uh, that was quite the experience. Oh, yeah. With people who don't do well with oh. horror. Oh, <laughs> so, I, yeah, I had some I had some folks, like, crawling all over me, like, climbing like, <laughs> me like a fucking jungle gym. Oh, <laughs> Just, man. like, settle the fuck down. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this this Northman is his, his most recent feature. It's, of course, a contemporary release. Um, and I'm curious, like, did you see any, like, remnants of the DNA from those previous features? Like, does this bear any resemblance to you to his other works? This is more, I think this is a little bit more closer to The Witch than it is Lighthouse. Lighthouse is a totally different thing. It is, it is art house. It is, it's something completely different. Uh, The Witch has a, a little bit more of a clear narrative, but the way... I don't know how to describe his method of storytelling where I think in this movie in this movie in the witch his style is it's not action-packed you're not getting a whole lot you're you're living in this story you're living in this world and I think in the witch and in this movie his biggest strengths are I'm creating a world for you we're gonna live in it and there will be some cool shit along the way but you're gonna get a it's there's a feeling like you're just going to be kind of in this world. And that's, I think one of the strongest things in this movie personally. Yeah, absolutely. The attention to detail and just the, the place and time in which the, the story is set. Uh, I tend to agree. Uh, the, the way the witch was put together, a lot of that movie, there's a lot of like high tension sequences in that, in that film, but there's also a lot of just like farting around and existing in a you know a more pastoral quieter time um and a lot of this movie is that too where it's just like you know 
something doesn't happen every day in this environment yeah. like some sometimes it's just a nice day where nobody got hurt it's, yeah. it's almost like like that it's almost like a history lesson and like uh there's a there's an excellent line i'd like to wait till we get closer to when it happens but there's an excellent line about uh christian about the christian god in this movie and i'm like that is such a crazy way to describe you know what i'll say it at the top fuck it yolo um they think at one point that the Christians have did something and they're like, they're crazy. Their God is a corpse nailed to a tree. And I'm like, I never in my wildest dreams would have used that phrase to describe what their yeah, what Jesus nailed on the cross looks like. And that's how they interpret it. At least that's how they wrote it in the movie. I'm like, that is a fascinating way to look at it. And I think if you look at this movie from the, from the lens of like, this is kind of like a history lesson. I think it makes it a little bit more fun. Yeah, no, I mean, there's so much attention to detail put into the the costuming and and just even like the music in particular, mm-hmm. like just the sights and sounds of the time. Like it's it's almost like obsessive, um, but it does seem to be like I ha- I can't speak for the lighthouse because I haven't seen that one, but that does seem to be like a a trademark of Robert Eggers at this point in his career, anyway. So, Kyle, uh, would you like to give us a plot rundown or yeah. a cast? or How do you want yeah. to run into this one? I'll do the plot, and then I'll jump into the cast real quick because I have some. F- I had a lot of fun looking at the cast in this. Um, uh, so I'm just going to give the, the IMDb summary for this. Uh, from, visionary Robert, or from visionary director Robert Eggers comes The Northman, an action-filled epic that follows a young Viking prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder. I picked that one because the other one's way too long. Uh, but... N- it's uh, a bit misleading if you just read that and then you jump into this movie. It's like, well, it's not action-filled, but there is some action in it. And I think for an epic, it has to be two and a half hours. We're not quite to two and a half hours on this one. Well, also, when one thinks epic, they also think lots and lots and lots of bodies on the screen. Yeah. Like, we have some skirmishes. We don't have, like, an outright fucking war here. Yeah, especially once we get to like the the real third act when we're killing people, that there was a real uh, Ariaster moment in there for me. Uh, you'll yeah, the boat scene that was like ah. oh yeah, like that's Ari Ari love that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to assume they they watch each other's work. Um, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, stuff like that's really fascinating. Actually, when you have contemporary artists who mm-hmm. you know have like a i don't know a friendly rivalry going on i don't know that that's the case but i I like to think in my own headcanon that that's the case because like i said it's hard for me to think of one without thinking of the other but Mm um yeah kyle how about we uh bounce into the cast then yeah so uh i'm gonna so i sent you a text last night i'm like here's a little exercise for you trevor there are four, at least four, Lars von Trier connections in the cast. I was wondering if you could figure it out. Did you did you figure it out at all? Oh, I, see, I didn't know that you were referencing the cast. Yes, the cast, um, very much. Uh, okay, well, I, I noticed a certain uh, fauna, like there was an animal uh, that makes an appearance at the midpoint of the film that I was like, oh, chaos reigns. Eh? Exactly. <laughs> I, I, was, I, I almost wrote that down, yeah. Uh, no, so we have... Uh, four act. Uh, we have Willem Dafoe, who's in, uh, the lead in Antichrist. Uh, yes. Nicole Kidman, who's in Dogville. Bjork, who is the lead of Dancer in the Dark. 
and then oh. Alexander Skarsgård is in Melancholia. And then, if you've really wanted to push it, Ethan Hawke is in this movie, and he's married to Uma Thurman, who was in The House That Jack Built. I dig the six degrees yeah. you just did there. <laughs> I, my brain could not do it at that point. I'm like, Ethan Hawke, even he's <laughs> kind of a connection. <laughs> but I'm like, That's it's great. crazy. There's a lot of Von Trier actors, and there's probably a couple that, uh, I, there might have been a couple that I missed. Um, but well, yeah, I mean, he, he is Danish, and yeah. this is a Viking tale, and the Danes are often thought of as the true Viking people, so, you know, yeah. it stands to reason that they would draw cast members from, you know, actors, not necessarily with that heritage, but, you know, that have interacted with that world before. Yeah, so we have, I've, I mentioned a few at the top, uh, the bad main bad guy, I guess, I don't know how to say his name, uh, I want to say it's Klaus, but that's not right, Klaes? Clace Bang. Uh, I've always said it, Clace, yeah. Clace. Uh, ATJ, Anya, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. I just have her down as ATJ throughout here. Um, Willem Dafoe, obviously. Uh, Olin Fuhrer, uh, Foyer, I'm not how, sure how to say it, but she was the lady at the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre that we just watched in yep. Mandy. Yep. <laughs> uh, Better film, question mark. <laughs> uh, Bjork, who makes a really interesting appearance, and then Katie Dickey, which you will not know, uh, she is one of several Game of Thrones actors <laughs> in this movie. Actually, if it's who I'm thinking of, I remember her from Prometheus, maybe. Yes. The extraordinarily yes. Scottish woman. Yes, that's her. So uh, goddamn Scottish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Mountain from Game of Thrones is in this, and then Ralph Ineson, who's also from The Witch, and also Game of Thrones, obviously. Yeah, the guy with the muscles and the guy with the voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, for folks who don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, I guess when we jump in here, like I feel like a lot of this movie is just a well-rounded... They, somebody did some well-rounded research on Viking lore and Viking history, and that's really what guided... I think that's what guided the movie the most. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, from what I understand... See, I didn't do any research on this, so yeah. like... This is me disclosing ahead of time if I completely missed the fucking script. Um, but um, what little I do know is that the basic framework, the basic skeleton of the story actually does have some basis in Nordic myth, mm-hmm. or at least Nord- like Nordic fiction anyway. It's called The Legend of Amleth. Um, so it's interesting to see that because we have that, which I believe is a work of it from antiquity. Um, and then Kyle and I had mentioned this before we started recording. Um, I have to assume that John Milius perhaps uh, <laughs> had read The Legend of Amleth at some point, because quite a lot of this, if it does adhere to the original myth, um, bears a very strong resemblance to his particular rendition of Conan the Barbarian. Trevor, I'll pull out a molar if he did not read Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, Hamlet, of, of course, probably is also like a permutation yeah. of this the same story. Um, but yeah, there's certain elements of this that, you know, it's it's exacerbated by the, you know, the type of imagery that we have, the very, you know, like Herculean, like savage characters and stuff. Like it, it does bear a very strong resemblance to, to Milius's Conan, but like I said, I think they probably are spawned from the same source material. So nobody really ripped anyone off. It's just an observation that's frankly kind of humorous. Like watching this highbrow film, it's like, didn't I see Arnold do this shit in the eighties? <laughs> yeah. Um 
But yeah, I'll jump us up. I'll try not to. I'm I'm gonna try not to uh, have us go beat by beat. But I'll kind of give us the setup here. Like give us our like what's happening when we're starting off the the film. Uh, we, I do like the the praying to Odin. Somebody's praying to Odin in the first shot. Uh, we find out the year eighty eighty nine A D eight eight nine five eight hundred ninety five. And then we get it was a while sh- ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. And then we get some ships in the North Atlantic. I like how we're not giving a, a specific country where we're starting this, but yeah, we don't want to piss anybody off in the Norwegian area <laughs> or the, well, Sc- yeah, the sorry the Scandin the Scandinavian countries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you say that somebody is praying to Odin, this is immediately from frame one. It's like, oh, it's Mako telling us the riddle of steel. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah. like, before the time when the, the oceans drank atlantis hey we're in the atlantic it's, like, uh, it's literally that just with a prayer to odin instead of you know robert e howard stuff yeah conan, the, the opening is close to bar close to conan the barbarian too pretty pretty close could have used some more war drums could have used some more molten metal um but yeah it it has a similar vibe and it does in fact have war drums so you know i'm mm-hmm. i'm here for that <laughs> Uh, we have an unrecognizable Ethan Hawke as the king. It took me a minute to, like, I'm like that's that's Ethan Hawke. Oh, okay. Um, he's the king. And then we have Queen Nicole Kidman and then some little blonde kid. Uh, and Ethan Hawke is the king coming back from war or whatever it is. And he's coming back to say hi to everybody. <laughs> what did you think of the voice, uh, Kyle? Yeah, you know, I'm not really going <laughs> to get into it. Uh <laughs> I will say that Alexander is uh, you can you can hear the Stellan in it like you can hear he sounds a lot like his dad at some points in this movie. Yeah, it, sometimes he sounds like he's burping to himself. It's like, oh, that was that was English. Okay, yeah. got it. Uh, but Ethan Hawke here, I need to point out, sounds like uh, Tim Roth in a uh, Planet of the Apes. Uh, he mm. sounds he sounds like Tim Roth from from t- like Tim Burton's. Uh, what a performance! Planet of the Apes, if, yeah. I mean, he really showed the fuck up for a really shitty movie. Like, mm-hmm. I, all compliments to that man. He really tried to make something of that. Um, great, great chimp performance, um, but not a great movie. He was probably pissed that he had to act opposite Mark Wahlberg, so he just channeled it into his performance. Yeah, I mean, he he does look like he just wants to smash every human's brain in that film. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck are the Funky Bunch? What the fuck are you talking about? Who is this Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing him sitting in one of those director's chairs off hours, like, like I don't know, with some, a plate of grapes or something from, <laughs> from craft services. Good vibrations. Uh, still in his makeup. That's really stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like the. I just like the. I like the the world that they're building here. Uh, with the you know, King is coming back. I'm guessing there's like you know some traditions here that they studied up on um there's a lot of that going on there's mm-hmm. a lot of ceremony in this film that really really does a lot to emphasize this is an alien world mm-hmm. like like this is so long ago yeah. that that it feel it feels like an like from a different planet or something very much uh, because just the the simple use of language and just like the simple exercise of husband greeting wife is mm-hmm. is just this like flowery exchange of canned phrases that's like could, what <laughs> like it's, it's like how about you just say hello <laughs> uh yeah we get introduced to clace i guess clace is his his friend or his brother i'm not entirely i think it's his brother it's his it is his brother brother yeah. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so he, I guess he was really valiant in battle, but the, the big thing, and I thought this was really interesting how this happens. It's like, nothing seems to be wrong with Ethan Hawke. Like nothing, nothing's wrong, but he's sitting there talking with his wife after the, after the, you know, the feast or whatever. He's like, they sliced me in the liver, so I'm going to die soon. Like he, he knows that he's probably not going to survive. And it's like, the boy's going to have to be king basically. Yeah, this this moment is is worth dwelling on, uh, just because it again to emphasize the point of just how radically removed from this culture we we as you know modern day Americans are. Because yeah. like I said, we have all sorts of flowery ceremony going on, even between Viking lords and whatnot. Uh, when he has his big homecoming and whatnot, um, there's also like a procession, and I noticed everybody's holding these like armlets or like circular objects and stuff mm-hmm. that that's very important circles are very very important to the story that we're telling here uh, so put a pin in that um but uh, yeah what kyle was saying about how he's gravely injured mm-hmm. like by the standards of the day it's like dude like you gotta lay down and pray to whatever gods you believe in because you're not long for this world but he puts on a brave front and pretends to still be strong because we learn throughout the film that gestures like that are of supreme importance to these people especially men in particular Mm -hmm. like maintaining strength uh in a position of power amongst your peers is is like everything it's not necessarily honor it's just more strength um and i found that very interesting that like in private is like the only time that he shows his weakness and Mm -hmm. it just happens to be to his wife uh who really 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 wants to bang but he's like, no, the boy needs to put his hand in my liver. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, we have more important things to attend to, goddammit. Uh, yeah, so th- also, also uh, important detail, the necklace. Mm-hmm. I, and I, it actually it just, it just occurred to me how important this is um, when you really, really, really think about it. Um, the necklace that Amleth, that our main character, Alexander Skarsgård, wears throughout the entire film that he, like, keeps as like a keepsake essentially it's given to him by his father who freely admits to the fact i took this from a child that i killed and now i'm giving it to you it's like that that is a powerful symbol that's a powerful concept that is so callously just like tossed out there by the characters in the story but when we as you know americans in 2022 think about that's like that's really fucked up yeah they're like the most important family heirloom that this character maintains up until spoiler alert his moment of doom at the end mm-hmm. was pilfered from another child <laughs> by his father yeah it's pretty dark um i think that's he, pretty fucked up <laughs> and i think he also mentions to his wife he's like i have to go back out in the battle because i'm dying now it's like i have to go out in the battle so i can get to valhalla because i have to die in battle yeah, Kyle had mentioned that before we started recording, that, that that's another point that, um, again, is only starting to sink in how meaningful that is. Mm-hmm. Like, just that idea of, here's a person who's potentially in their final moments because they're badly wounded, and yet it, their, their train of thought, their logic points them towards rushing back out into battle because, according to their religion, that is, that's the only way. Uh, to get to the the happier side of the afterlife yeah and i think yeah and i think that's something that he the that eggers is exploring in this film is like what does this world look like we've all heard the lore of vikings it's like now how does that control action 
and that's I think that's what this movie does explore. Uh, then we get the yeah. dog ritual down in the basement, <laughs> which was really really strange. It was it was a fascinating little bit here. Uh, Willem Dafoe was playing a jester, which is he, he because of his face. I'm like he perfect perfect use of your Willem Dafoe. Um, yeah, there's, uh, it's like, are you a, are, are you a dog? Like, you have to become a dog or something like that. And there's, like, burping and farting. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what the hell is happening in this? Yeah, yeah, so much happens in this scene that I want to say if you did back it up and, like, slow it down and really take every line of dialogue and jot it down, I, I wasn't fast enough. I tried mm-hmm. my damnedest, yeah. um, but I wasn't about to try to back that shit up. I got I got a new place. It's got shitty Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to back movies up. You just got to let it fly. <laughs> um, but, like, what I'm getting at is I think if you did break this single scene down, most of the movie would be telegraphed to you simply through the, the exposition tossed out here. Probably. Uh, just in the, a couple minutes of, of screen time. Similar to the Ari Aster film, Midsummer, mm-hmm. or The Mural, you know? Which I can't remember if I heard that that's, I forget like if it's omitted or it's given it's, more prominence in the director's cut. It's different in the director's cut. It's not, you're not seeing the whole movie in the director's cut. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank um, you for that, by the way. But yeah, the, the, yeah, you're very welcome. I thought you in particular would appreciate that. Yeah. Um, got it from the A24 website. They do have a store filled with hipstery goodness <laughs> all like i'm pretty sure they have like a, a bottle opener or something you oh, can buy <laughs> i'm gonna look at their coffee mugs because if they have uh if they have pew's big flowery dress thing at the end of that movie i'm like that's my coffee mug for sure oh yeah look into that i'm not sure if they've merchandised it to shit just yet but they probably should yeah they, they should. got at least one sale lined up for but yeah sure. the sequence was really fascinating we're uh uh, the jester, Willem Dafoe, is in the basement of a shrine that they have, like, across from the main lodge. And uh, they do all sorts of ritualistic practices, like there's a giant tablet of Odin, and they mm-hmm. dip, like, one of those ring armlets or whatever. I don't know what they're called. I don't know shit about Nordic stuff. Um, my heritage is not at all connected no. to that. I, my, I have very little interest. My her- <laughs> My heritage isn't even Nordic, so... Yeah, um, but they like dip it into blood or something. But yeah, they, they uh, it's really interesting to see this because it it seems weird for a second and then you remind yourself, oh, they didn't have TV. No, no. So like as soon as somebody growls at you or makes or prompts you to improv with them, you just do it. Yeah, it's a, you got a yes and. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like Ethan Hawke does that to his son and he goes, Rrr! and the son immediately does it back and okay, they're dog people now. Again, no TV. Yeah. They were bored. It's yeah. easy. What was the significance of him putting his son's hand in to his open wound which it's a very large open wound um is it to just yes he says he has to grow up fast does he like is he is it like almost like an anatomy thing it's just like you have to be comfortable seeing this like you have to be comfortable seeing um like ex- exposed intestines or is it like a symbolic thing like you're gonna reach in and touch my liver or something i think it's i think it it touches on all of those points um it is immediately followed by that recurring image that we have of the the heart uh connected to all all manner of dead people through Mm. blood vessels arteries and stuff coming out of it yeah so i want to say that the the blood the heart is something that even though they you know they don't know like scientific anatomy they know what a heart is and they know what function it performs so 
I'm I want to say it's like a I don't know some sort of practice of unity where it's like symbolic of him like touching that part of his father and like forming a strong connection between them where it's like we we are of the same blood which is of the utmost importance in this world anyway yeah. um but yeah uh there's a some choice dialogue tossed out here and by the way they're tripping balls uh, mm-hmm. during this whole sequence uh they're fed like a plate of something which i'm pretty sure it's meant to be the same type of mushroom that we see later or similar to it yeah. um so they they are tripping on some sort of mushroom mixture here um father and son um, and at one point, the I couldn't write it all down because it came so goddamn fast. But like, uh, never seek the secrets of women, but always heed their words, or something like that. Like, always seek their counsel, but don't go any deeper than you have to, basically. Which is very much uh, the type of relationships that men and women have in this in this particular story. Yeah. Um, there's the avenge me that's tossed out there, so we're planting the seeds already, like during his coming of age ritual essentially this amleth character that avenging his father is a thing that he's probably going to have to do um and then uh, the tear uh is extracted from him mm-hmm. uh, by willem defoe um and he is told this is the last tear that you shed in weakness it will be given back to you when you most need it mm-hmm. uh, which does happen um but yeah and then we get all the business with him uh, putting his hand inside his dad yeah um, n- not in the naughty way. It's it's no. it's a wound. Um, no. But uh, and then yeah, they uh, they leave the shrine in, in in the snow, and then some shit goes down. Yeah, uh, almost immediately, Ethan Hawke is shot with arrows, uh, and this is where we learn that our bad guy Fulnir, his brother, is the one who's going to take over basically, and they kill his dad right in front. He's like hiding behind a tree, and he watches his dad get killed. Um, and then it's bring me the boy's head. I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. This guy is fucking ruthless. Um, now I looked down and I didn't catch this. So apparently he bit the guy's nose off that tried that tackled him or sliced it off. I I saw a knife. Okay. That's how I saw it. Um, yes, he took his nose. That's the point. Um, but yeah, Fjolnir, uh, Clay's bang, uh, my boy, Clay's bang, who my brother, Matt, uh, has been, uh, he's been championing for a few years now. He's like, well, keep an eye on this guy. He's going to be really big in international cinema. And God damn it, I believe it. Like, yeah. I've seen him in exactly two movies, but he was great in both of them. And he performed in no less than three different languages quite ably. Uh, and he's pretty fucking jacked in this movie. So oh, yeah. I'm telling oh. you, he's he's probably in line to be in a Marvel movie very soon. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they have him in line to be a fucking Doctor Doom or something, because oh. I know they're shopping around for a Doctor Doom. I cannot wait until we talk about... Uh, so I've been calling Alexander Skarsgård Durs. So I've been listening to the Workaholics podcast a lot, and the guy's name is Anders, but they call him Durs. I'm like, Alexander, <laughs> Durs. So I've just been calling him Durs in my notes for this. <laughs> Durs? Durs, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Durs. So, yeah, so Fulnir is our bad guy, and the boy, he ends up getting away. They kill everybody in this village, too, and we see his mom being taken away um, over the shoulders, screaming or whatever. So, you kind of put A and B together. You put two and two together. Uh, But uh, he ends up getting to the fucking open ocean in a on a fucking rowboat, and he's. Was he keep. In a dinghy. In a dinghy. (laughs) Seriously, he's like. He's like, I will come back and save my mother. 
I will avenge my father. I'm going to kill Fulnir, I think is what he's saying. Something along those lines. Yeah, he has a he forms a mantra for himself as he's rowing away. And by the way, Noseless, who I will from here on out yeah. refer to as Noseless, yeah. um, he uh, reports to Fulnir uh, that the boy's dead. He drowned in the ocean. So he was too cowardly to admit he, he done fucked up. Yeah. And it's like, what happened to your face? <laughs> it's like, no, he always looked like that. He never had a nose. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the kid's mantra is, I will avenge you father, I will save you mother, I will kill you Fjolnir. Hard cut to like 25, yeah. 30 years yeah, I'd later. Say a good, I'd say, well, his mom still looks pretty young, so I'll say, well, we'll say he's, we'll say 15 years later. How's that? Are we comfortable with that? 25? Sure. I'm fine okay. with that. Yeah. Yeah. So what'd you think about this boat music? We get, uh, we get some legit look like they built these boats for this fucking movie uh we get some rowing down a river and it looks like it's summertime now it's not it's not winter anymore well it's also a different uh region yeah Roos. Uh, this is this is uh by the way this movie has chapters mm-hmm. um, it has on-screen type like yeah. chapter breaks that are displayed in like nordic runes and then translate into english and now we're at the land of ruse yeah. uh of the ruse uh which i presume is siberia ish or like some part of where russia currently is uh to the east over there (laughs) (laughs) yeah our european geography Uh, is not great no we're not great we're american fuck yeah i don't even (laughs) dude dude, i I couldn't find i couldn't tell you where fucking mississippi is on a map (laughs) uh i know what it's shaped like i couldn't tell you where it is but i could find it i I know what it's shaped like maybe Um, but it's, it, it looks like a Moai statue, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the boat music was pretty badass here. Yeah, it's funny because I actually can't remember. Like This is another one of those instances where apparently Kyle has a, a, a clearer memory of the, the music for a film that uh, than I do, which is a rarity, but that shows what your level of engagement was at this point. But um, if I'm transposing a piece of music onto it, and that would be from... A, Robert Zemeckis's uh, motion captured Beowulf uh, mm. film. Yeah, that probably The score for that was done by Alan Silvestri. I mean, it's Beowulf. It's Danish shit. So yeah. It, like similar type of like, it's an Alan Silvestri score, so it's it has his sound to it. Um, I mean, it's the, it's the guy who gave us fucking Predator and Back to the Future and stuff. It's like he he's a little bit recognizable. His flavor is known, but very uh, very per- percussive. Lots of, lots of heavy war drums and it, shit. It was very, it's very much a war drum thing going on here. Um, but yeah. yeah, and this movie also makes use of a lot of uh, human voices as well. Um, but true. also a lot of like like stringed instruments. Like I don't know if it's like zithers or something, but very foreign to, to my ear, but very interesting because it really does a lot to put you in a place and time. Yeah, we get uh, this. I thought that this was probably one of the more interesting scenes. Like, this is what kind of like okay, this movie's gonna be badass. Uh, we get uh, them on on boats. Uh, I'm not really sure what's happening, but it's pretty clear because Durs is in the frame. It's like, oh, that's him as a, as a grown up, clearly. Um, but we've got uh, these dudes rowing. They end up shooting just some people in a boat with arrows. I'm like, who who are these fucking guys? Who are these assholes? Well, yeah, they have a chuckle at it too. Yeah. But I, I'm guessing that he's, like, with some mercenaries or, like, just some kind of muscle. I'm like, oh, th- like, when, when we actually do some pillaging here, I'm like, oh, it's the guys from uh, fucking uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> it's the dudes that he hires to come to come kill all the, everybody. 
or whoever yeah. whoever uh, Maximus was fighting at the beginning at Gladiator. Those people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these are some sort of like brigands or something that yeah. he. Uh, He's. I think there's a line of dialogue later saying they found him. Mm-hmm. So he just washed up somewhere and they took him in and trained him to be a supreme badass. But I'm sorry, I am going to have to point out like connections to Milius's Conan just because it's funny to me. Yeah. Again, this is highbrow entertainment. That is definitely not. Um, but it's just funny seeing them kind of cover the same beats. So we had uh, Thulsa Doom uh, depacketating his... Uh, one of his family members like his mom yeah um yeah in this case his dad uh Fjolnir lops his head off takes a few strokes it's pretty gnarly nice. but you see it from afar and then here him rowing the boat may as well be the wheel of pain yeah uh, where it's Very like he, he rode boats and got buff yeah. <laughs> it's like they fed him entire cows every night or something <laughs> <laughs> to make him so huge um, but or pickled fish or some shit whatever yeah. the nords do <laughs> dude i like when they get into character i like this uh it's a bunch of dudes in loincloths and they're like going they're like chanting around a fire and uh they're like getting into character like getting into character to go murder basically they call it like a few the words it's like slaughter wolves berserkers i'm getting amped up watching it too like this is so metal <laughs> yeah um i'm I mean, a lot of those, a lot of people with that blood flowing in their veins are the ones giving us metal today. Yes. <laughs> so it's like it makes sense. Exactly. <laughs> uh, there, there is, a, there is a subgenre of music. Viking metal is like a real thing. So I think that I wonder how they. I'd like to. I'd be curious as how those bands. Well, how much they like this movie. I bet they loved it. Um, but Not you sure. want to do? This is probably the best action sequence in the film. I would say. Yeah, uh, despite its advertising campaign pointing it to it being a slam-bang action thriller, it is decidedly not. It does have action, it does have violence, but this is like one of the few out-and-out just like thrilling action sequences in the movie. Is this a single shot as we follow him going, uh, climbing up and through the... I, I feel like it's one shot for quite a, quite a, way, for quite a bit. Actually, I, I, I'm glad you asked that question, Kyle. Um, <laughs> it is absolutely not. Um, my, my eye caught no less than six cuts. Okay. Um, well, it may be more like four, but I, I thought I saw at least six and I actually numbered them because <laughs> oh, gotcha. it was, it's a fascinating exercise because no, this is most certainly stitched together mm. uh, through uh, clever use of foreground objects, um, and, or like negative space in the frame or something. So like if, if there's an instance where it's like, we have a frame of just the side of a cabin and no one moving in it, we can cut there and then match the movement because the camera's on a computerized dolly or something. Dude, we I don't know what is happening with personal trainers. I mean, I thought the Magic Mike dudes, I thought you couldn't get any buffer than that. Fucking Chris Hemsworth in this new Thor movie, holy shit. It's not even funny how crazy chiseled he is. Having said that, Durs in this movie, ho, oh, he is he is beef caked out. Dude, and he's got a he's got like I don't know he's got lasting power too because he's he's had to do this across many years like Hemsworth has too but like Skarsgård has had to do this for like Tarzan mm-hmm. and and now this like he's he's had to like go in cycles and stuff so it's like he's 
My man probably really, really wants to just like have a bowl of Cheerios or something yeah. someday, but no carbs for that, man. Actually, <laughs> Cheerios aren't that bad for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, he probably just he probably has like a spoonful of coconut oil for dude, breakfast or something. <laughs> I think it like it's not a good movie, but the the newest vacation movie, Chris Hemsworth is probably the best part of that movie, and he has a whole scene where he's walking around shirtless and. With what I hope is a prosthetic penis, because he's walking around in his underwear with like a huge boner just like hanging over to the side, like it's going around his thigh. It's really, really funny. Uh, oh, but I, but I was thinking he was shirtless. I'm like, you don't really see Thor shirtless. He just always has his arms exposed. So this newest movie, well, they I mean, unveiled the, it. The prep, the prep for those shots is probably painful. Like, it's probably like getting ready for a Mr. Olympia or something. So they probably have him looking like that for 20 minutes. And Ugh. then he has to hit that Pedialyte ASAP. <laughs> What's what the, the best part of the new Thor? That, that new Thor where they pop his clothes off and have him buck naked in front of everybody? It's also in front of Russell Crowe, who is super fat <laughs> in that movie. Oh, and he's so happy these days, though. <laughs> like he hasn't he hasn't thrown any phones or shoes at anyone. That's true. Like, we haven't heard at yeah. least a decade. Yeah. yeah, like he's he's in a better place. Kyle. He's in a he's better place. <laughs> he's happy. <laughs> yeah, dude. So last I'll... last note last note on on Buff Hemsworth. Okay, I'm very curious because um, I think they're waiting for Hulk Hogan to die. Oh, a lot of people they are actually. Re- I mean, yes, that's fact, but um, I think they're waiting for him to die before they release Chris Hemworth's uh, biopic about the man. Oh, oh, he's going to play Hulk Hogan? He is, and I'm curious if he's going to be in that sort of shape, because I think they already filmed it. Oh. That's that's cool, but Hulk Hogan never really looked like that. (laughs) Dude. You got too big, Hemsworth. (laughs) I can tell you one person who's ready for Hulk Hogan to die, and they want a rematch in heaven. I am ready, and I will not let this opportunity slip through my fingers. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, he was not a big fan. He was not a big fan of Hogan. Yeah, nobody's a big fan of Terry Vallejo, so... <laughs> well, it's because he, he laid hands on Lisbeth. <laughs> Lisbeth! <laughs> Keep looking at Lisbeth. Oh, gosh. Uh, pants, pants. <laughs> So as I was watching this, like this is pretty cool. A little bit of action set piece here. He's, uh, you know, he's working for there. Like some royalty come in after these guys, so it seems like they're just kind of hired hands. But they run through and murk all these people. Uh, I think at one point we're just like killing old people. We're stealing the kids. We're we're placing the women. I'm like, I always heard of like. Sorry, I have to say this, but it's like rape and pillage. I'm like, I'm not seeing a lot of that part going on. I'm like, the next scene's like, ow. There's that part. Gotcha. They handle it. They handle it exceedingly tastefully. Fair, uh, that's because it it is all there, but it's never put in front of the camera. It's always yeah. off to the side or in the background. Yeah, Milius's fat paws weren't on this thing, so he would have handled yeah, it. No orgy, so much no worse. orgies in this film. Uh, I mean, the, this movie does have an orgy, but it's a tasteful. Orgy. Oh, it's very tasteful, <laughs> very classy. Yeah, that, that, yeah I think. Maybe that was what your your initial frustration with the film was. You're just like I was. I was expecting something different, and it wasn't given to me. I was expecting much more milius. <laughs> well, it it feels like this section of the podcast is our pit stop, where we just hit a fucking wall and talk about other stuff for a while. Yeah. So I'm going to take advantage of this opening. And uh, uh, Kyle, I had uh, poked you 
uh, before we started recording about what I'd been seeing online about the general public's reaction to this film. Because I, I will point out, uh, this was a bit of a, not a flop, but a disappointment at the mm-hmm. box office. Uh, I think it did very handsomely on, on, on demand and Blu-rays and stuff. So it's probably going to make its move, its money back over time. Uh, but it didn't so, do so hot in theaters. But anyway, the, the point I'm trying to get to here is that I've been seeing a lot of evidence pointing to a lot of people, a lot of the wrong people getting the wrong message from this movie. And it's it's alarming. I was curious if you had any thoughts on that. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, Trevor. And I'm going to bring it back to uh, <laughs> This Is Important, uh, the guys from Workaholics, their podcast. They actually discussed this. So... They have a uh, they have a joke on that show called Tight Butthole, and I guess they would do like this, um, like you would do uh, a circle with your index finger and thumb, and then you put up three fingers, and that's also something for like three pointers. Yeah, so three pointers. Apparently, according to that podcast, which again <laughs> is comedians and actors podcast, I don't know all the truth of this, but apparently, uh, certain groups, a certain supremacist group have taken that as some kind of symbol. And I'm like, oh, it's just kind of weird how certain things catch on. I don't understand what you discussed. I don't understand that connection here. I I don't know how they got to that. Even, Even like podcasters that I listen to, and like, mind you, from like a political standpoint like i'm not going to get into it but I, I'm, I'm i'm from seattle put it that way yeah. <laughs> like, he's, listen, he's listening to old he's listening to old rush limbaugh tracks <laughs> yeah oh yeah out here in seattle seattle proper mind yeah. you not yeah. the outskirts or nothing and no. by the way not eastern yeah. washington the sound <laughs> just just put it that way anyway even podcasters that i listen to have fallen into the trap of getting the wrong message out of the thing where there's some people who key in on purely just like objectively what's transpiring on the screen and they think it's like lionizing or glamorizing like the viking or the warrior lifestyle scorsese had the same issue with his mob movies but like you're just glorifying mob violence he's like no 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 you're missing the point (laughs) exactly no that i'm that's a fantastic example of what i'm getting at here is that the wrong people got the wrong memo um and it's it's embarrassing to me it's like how did like you really had to not try or try really hard to make to fit that square peg into that round hole yeah the message of this movie if there was any takeaway it's that violence is not the answer (laughs) absolutely (laughs) and this is like the most obvious part of these these were a group of people that worshipped a violent deity what they what they created a violent deity and uh, there's no happy ending for anybody in this movie, uh, and violence is all over the place. Yeah, but like I said, I, I have seen some comments thrown around on the social medias and whatnot, pointing to you know certain groups of certain folks, uh, <laughs> generally fairly pale, uh, <laughs> translucent. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. No, that's the that was Cellophane. the that was the John Mulaney had a joke about uh, Scarface. It's like. You know, people have like Scarface posters, and they're like, I, they idolize Tony Montana, and he's like, "Did you watch the end of the movie? <laughs> I don't think you're getting the right message here, guys." And I know you did because objectively, yeah. that's the most yeah. awesome part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. That's the giant joint from fucking Up in Smoke. It's like I gotta see that part at least. I've, yeah. I've, yeah, Jesus. 
But anyway, well, oh, but we'll, speaking of yeah. wrong people getting the wrong message, I will point out that one hell of a trailer shot to kick off this action sequence, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Um, that that spear throw, awesome! Uh, damn, yes, that was. I don't care who you are. That's fucking cool. <laughs> I, I had a less I had a less Grossman <clears throat> when he when he got that. I'm like that was that was uh, dope. I had a uh, Sean William Scott from old school. Yes. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, uh, I thought I yeah. got that. I thought I got that soundbite. I'm pretty sure I did. If I find it, I'll holler at you. Oh wait, hang on. Oh, okay. Yes. Got you. Fuck yes. There you go. go. My boy. My Uh, man. That's Uh, one you need to get. Aquaman. My man. I'll see if I can get that one. My man. I always think... Anytime I hear that, I think of uh, horrible bosses when uh, Jason Sudeikis says that to a black bartender, and the black bartender did not like the way he said that. (laughs) Oof. Yeah. That's embarrassing. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, but you can see, you know... uh, you know, much like last week, we were talking about Christian Bale being fed up with the genocide. We get the same thing with Durs here. He's just like, yeah, I'm not into the whole raping and pillaging. This is just kind of my day job, you know. Uh, and he wanders off to have a chat with uh, Bjork for some reason. Uh, and I think she's legit creepy here. I think she does a nice little job with this part. Uh, I haven't seen uh, Dancer in the Dark. As far as Von Trier films, it's kind of on the lower end of the list for me to watch. But... Uh, yeah uh so basically she gives him his mission and he has to go get excalibur basically he has to go to this lake to find excalibur i'm guessing uh essentially yes um i will point out there's a couple of small details that like i said this is a journey that we're going on together we're we're finding the meaning in the northman as we go um i noticed that uh all that nasty business that was pushed into the background of this this raid sequence a very cool raid sequence by mm-hmm. the way um uh we have a sequence where a boy is separated from his mother mm. um who then runs behind Durs, um who observes this and then uh we don't see what happens until he exits the frame but that boy is put in like a lodge with all the other people in the village and is set yeah. on fire um, yeah. That's and again, nobody has any reaction to this. This is a, all in a day's work, and also um, they keep some people as slaves. One of whom is an ocarina player who's continually being like kicked in the fucking head while he's trying to play music for these people who, at any moment, could get bored and kill him. Uh, really nasty. But again, everybody else around him is having a grand old time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bjork. Her uh, her outfit is fitting of Bjork. Yeah. Um, she is eyeless. She has a massive headdress and like, like these seashell something or others dangling over where her eyes would be, um, and all of her dialogue here is is delivered in this like hissing whisper that it's very effective. Also, the use of color in this movie is very fascinating. It, yeah. Like the color continually drops out, so it's almost grayscale at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and here it's very monochrome uh, with her in particular. Um, and she gives him his last tear, which was taken from him by Willem Dafoe earlier in the film. She gives it back to him. And there's a lot of flowery dialogue in this movie that I absolutely could not write down and also had trouble following from time to time just because every line carries some sort of hidden meaning if you really read into it. Um, but the main point that I ended up writing down at least like 30 fucking times was fate is inescapable. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and what's fascinating about that point is that it's really not. It's more. It's it's more in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. Where it's like you have to play into fate in order in order to make it inescapable. You you absolutely can just do something else. It's just the you know the 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 thinking the the, the logic that these people work from is totally alien to our own. Yeah, and in in that vein, it is inescapable. Like yeah. Well, yeah. If you tell yourself it is, then it is. Yeah. But it's like no. Maybe listen to the you know the pretty lady on the boat like yeah. she's making some pretty valid points yeah let's, we, we should get to the we should get to the pretty lady on the boat uh so i have through here sizzle chest uh he gives himself uh, basically a slave marking uh brand uh jumps into some water he he escapes the marauder like I, he just leaves the marauders i don't know if he's captive he just he quits his job he just leaves yeah he quits his job <laughs> he quits uh and then he gets on to like a little st- uh, a little boat he just manages to climb on unnoticed and it's the, it's like a slave ship and uh atj is there and she notices him they kind of hit it off you know by the way we're in the open ocean in this hunk of shit yeah so he brands himself and he hops on a boat to iceland because yes. he overhears in the marauder camp that uh fjolnir uh, is his uncle basically sure uh, who murdered his scar. father yeah scar uh scar uncle scar, scar. <laughs> so uncle scar uh, it currently resides in Iceland, which is, again, this movie has so many details that, like, as I'm going over my notes, are starting to come into focus now. There's exposition here pointing out that Fjolnir's name is Fjolnir the Brotherless mm-hmm. because he killed his own brother to get the crown. And not only that, he's a bastard, which is mentioned a couple of times, but becomes more and more important as the story goes on. Uh, but the other really important thing here is that He's in Iceland because he was defeated and lost his kingdom. Yeah. Like, he didn't have a good run as the king, and now he's, like, almost exiled. He's a fucking farmer in Iceland. He's not doing great. See, it took me <laughs> It took me a while to figure that out. I'm like, this is a weird place for him to be ruling. Like, this this doesn't seem that great. And it's like, oh, no, he's he's not really a king anymore. He's just, a, like, a landowner now. Like, he just, he's he's probably wealthy, but, yeah, he's not a king anymore, really. Yeah, and I found that really fascinating because in the stereotypical version of this tale you know you you come and take the crown back like for your father's honor it's like there ain't no crown like he he was a shitty king and he lost his kingdom like and also like um i can't remember all of it but when ethan hawk is on his knees about to get depacketated uh he shouts a lot of obscenities at fjolnir in front of his face and it all calls back to that theme of fate where he's basically telling him like you'll take my crown but it's it's going to be a bumpy road from yeah. you he's basically cursing yeah he's him. cursing him and you know what we see here is that it's pretty pretty much right yeah. <laughs> like, like it didn't go so well for him um but yeah he willfully uh durs uh willfully jumps on this slave ship to uh iceland and yes he meets uh atj and i think i asked you this before but have you, have you heard her speak spanish I have, and it, it I know it melts your heart. She speaks a couple of languages Oof. in here, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. They call it Old Slavic, so yeah. like something that will become modern-day Russian, probably, or, or something Eastern European, but um, I don't know what it's supposed to be, but oof. That's Spanish, though. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like... uh, it's usually when I hear French. Uh, that's the one that usually does it for me. I'm like, oh, yes, gotcha. please. 
Oh, God. God, me. Dude, we actually uh, uh, just we rewatched Adam's Family Values last night because Steph's like, summer camp, it's summertime, it's perfect time. That summer camp sequence with the play is is gold. It is so good. Uh, if you haven't I'll, seen it, I'll have, to, I'll have to ask the girlfriend if she's seen uh, Family Values because. I know she's seen the first one, but Family Values is just, it's fine. It's great. It's good. Uh, So yeah, he's a slave now. He's he's in Iceland. I don't know where where we were in the beginning. They didn't specify Iceland, so I don't think this is even his homeland. Um, No, uh, actually, he does point out that I think he was more Norway. Okay. um, Like where he was, where he was from, and by extension, his uncle. So he's, he's come a long way. To yeah. a place that nobody seems especially thrilled to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, um, the Game of Thrones hadn't happened yet. The tourists, the, the millennials, <laughs> weren't aware that it was so fucking cool to look at. Honestly, yeah, I think that and uh, oh, what's the other Croatia? Cro- Dude, they do some serious, uh, like some travel advertising for Croatia because yeah, I didn't realize how beautiful oh, yeah. that place was. Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, so Fulnir, we, we learn about him. He's got a son. And he's kind of whiny. He's, uh, he's out there helping his dad uh, build uh, a fence or some shit. And uh, did you catch the dialogue with, here? I thought it was kind of interesting. Oh, the exchange between him and his younger son. Yeah, uh, that was fascinating to me because it, like this child is impetuous and seems more like a modern day child, honestly, like yeah. a spoiled brat, essentially. Well, it's a rich but kid. What we yeah absolutely but like what we i mean yeah we had those back in the day too yeah <laughs> but um Fjolnir, like if we didn't see him cut off ethan Hawke's head earlier it's like he sounds like a very measured and responsible man like, yeah. he seems like a pretty good dad or a pretty I, good lord on top of that yeah i was gonna say that they see like i i don't know how true this is but they seem like very loving parents because like very much like ethan hawk comes up and gives his son a big hug like he's just like you oh, might oh yeah i'm so glad you pointed that out because um i want to say that's like one of the one of the major themes of clay's bang of Fjolnir, why it's important that he's a bastard uh, because it does his lack of heritage, his lack of fealty to his bloodline or his family crest or whatever, seems to be liberating. Like it seem it seems to be able to make a stronger family unit. Like mm. he's able to actually just like love without having as much of a sense of responsibility or as much of a concern about being kingly and whatnot. Yeah, uh, because yes, as as a husband, as a as a father, he seems fine like, like he seems pretty good like, <laughs> like speaking of the adams family somebody made a joke it's like the people thought the, the adams family were weird and it's like in the in the suburbs it's like it's a guy who's in love with his wife and is a good like is a really great father it's like we were demonizing that like that was the weird thing was that he was the problem um but yeah like well I, i've always i've always maintained that the adams family movie anyway uh is basically code for i don't know like Jews and Gentiles, I guess, in a, in a in a very waspy neighborhood, essentially. Yeah, they're very they're they're a very uh, progressive family in those two movies. Well, yeah, they have a multi generational household with yeah. lots of weird traditions that the waspy folk don't get. Yeah, they're you know they're outcasts, but they're goddamn it, they're happy and they love each other. Thank Far you, off. thank you, Barry Sonnenfeld. Um, <laughs> 
But yeah, so, but we learned he's got a whiny little son, and I like this exchange. He's just like, Dad, why do we got to do this? He's like, we need to do it because you don't know if you're going to be a king or if you're going to be a slave. Like, that's another thing about this movie. It's like, we were just taking, like, they just went and grabbed these people. It's like, you're slaves now. Like, we conquered you. That's it. That's as easy as it is to be enslaved. It's like, you could be a slave tomorrow, or you could be a king. But if you are going to be a, if you're going to be a slave, it's best to go in like strong, being able to work. And if you're a king, it's best to have your men see that you know how to throw an a, like you know how to throw a hammer, kind of thing. All, all true. Yeah. And you know, decent words to live by in an indecent era. But um, yeah, I, I found his character and his performance very fascinating. I, I, I would have hoped there was more, but I, I'm happy with what we got. But I did notice he he looks a little disappointed in his older son yeah i i said the same thing because his older son is, <laughs> it's like it's like richard the long shanks he's just like oh no oh, fuck. <laughs> oh long shanks oh yeah he's, he's he doesn't have quite the evil eye towards his son in this movie but he is a little disappointed yeah his his son yeah not the most masculine fella um no he 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 spies like from across the village like him in a sparring match with a couple of dudes and he he throws a little tantrum tantrum yeah um and and we just cut to the shot of clay's bang just like no words just like mm. Mm. <laughs> i mean it's just hank hill that boy ain't right yeah. <laughs> and the older son's kind of a piece of shit uh the way he talks to people the way he talks to durs um this is where he's entitled yeah uh, they they have eyes for Durs as soon as he gets in there. They're like, this guy, he is ours. Like that's it. Um, and th- that's the only person they're gonna take. It's basically a caravan, a guy with a caravan. It's like, hey, these are the like, people you want to buy. And I just at the last second, the the younger son's like, hey, by the way, we need two girl, we need two more women and two more fellas. I think maybe. Uh, Mom said, and he's like, okay, fine, bring uh, ATJ as well. She's important to the plot, so we need her. Uh, we get some really, <laughs> really rapey energy directed towards her from uh, f- from um, Fulnir. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, continually throughout the film, thankfully, it doesn't really. There's no physicality that comes with it, but it, it, he does carry a, a specific energy around her. Yeah. Uh, so we get a little bit of a work montage, and we learn that Queen, uh, his mom, is still alive. And uh, he kind of takes that in. And then ATJ gets taken. She kind of gets uh, like taken off to go do something else. Like, yeah, she's like put off to the side. Uh, and then he sneaks out. And then I don't, like, again, like just writing down notes and then looking up. Anytime there's a witch doctor on the screen, I'm like, wait, how the fuck did we get here? <laughs> like, it just comes out of nowhere. Because we get another underground dude. Yeah, so by the way, this segment of the movie may as well be Arnold going to Thulsa Doom's Mountain of Power. Yes. Um, it's essentially that act now. But um, yes, uh, we get Chaos Reigns around here. Yes. Uh, where we, There's a little black fox yeah. uh, that Durs spies in the darkness. And also another animal spirit uh, that seems to be very important is the raven. Mm-hmm. Uh, because his father was also referred to as the Raven King. Uh, also, Raven seemed to be strongly associated with his clan, his family. I think Odin also, there's a connection between Odin and the Raven. I forget their names, but yes, he has two of them. Yeah. And I guess, like, at one point in the movie, I <coughs> guess it was kind of like Odin, like, like helping him out at some point. It seems to be the case. That's cool. 
Um, it's and- interesting because this movie has several moments where it draws attention to the fact that things may not be as they seem. And yet the movie never challenges its own logic. Mm-hmm. So it just like leaves it out there for you, the viewer, to like interpret it as you will. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because the movie carries an internal logic to it that I think is meant to fit into the perspective of the characters. Um, it's it's interesting because it, it tries to have it both ways at times. I like to think of it like at the end of it and like during those moments where like where it's like, is this kind of fantastical? Think about it as somebody telling you a story. Like this is just yeah. this is lore. Like if you come at it from that from that perspective, then you can break those rules. It's like I'm not telling you that there is an uh, uh, an Odin, but for this story, there is. Yeah, I, I don't know what that tr- that particular trope in storytelling is, but it's it's kind of like presenting things as they were imagined or as they would have been told to someone after the fact rather than how they actually happen just because it's more interesting yeah and again this is like an era of oral tradition where where things are routinely blown out of proportion just because you know uncle jasper just wants to make an enjoyable story and you know probably would be boring if he spent 20 minutes telling you about him going to the store and stubbing his toe anyway uh Yes, uh, we do in fact get. I, I love this cave of the he witch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the he witch. I love that. Yes. <laughs> he asks about. He's like, "Hey, what happened to Willem Dafoe?" And he's like, "Oh, him. He's right here." And this this Willem Dafoe skull that we have is pretty awesome. Oh yeah, primo skull. Prim- primo skull. primo severed head. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, and he's like, "We're gonna make you a sword." Uh, it's gonna have these markings. People are gonna think it's like otherworldly, and it's gonna be super awesome. It's gonna be Excalibur, basically. Um, get a choice line here. My heart only knows revenge. Uh, we get the now, we get the rope descent. He descends into another like a. Uh, is there a hut that he's in, or I'm not sure where this is. It's a. It, he refers to it as a mound, but I will point out the uh, the sword has a name. Which mm. all great swords do. It's yes. Drogir. Drogir. The that's, undead. That's pretty badass. Um, yeah, and it has a it has a fucking montage, like like yeah. the riddle of steel, like the crafting <laughs> of the at the the Atlantean well, sword or the Sumerian steel or whatever it was. This next sequence felt like Conan the Barbarian. We're just kind of like mixing Absolutely. Yeah, just kind of you remember mixing. the giant in the mound that yes. he found the sword in? It's exactly that. Yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think Conan the Barbarian is just Amleth. The, it's the same story. <laughs> no, Amleth finds Krom. Yeah. Like, straight up, he finds Krom in a mound underground. He doesn't get chased by wolves or anything, nor no. does he kill those wolves and make fucking shoes out of them. <laughs> but, but, better movie. Um, by the way, the sword has rules to it, mm. which, again, are, are an element that... I don't know. Like Like, you could interpret it multiple ways, where it's like the rules are actually just him carrying out the ritual of it of abiding by them or it actually is somehow mystical but anyway the rules are uh drogur can only be unsheathed at night or at the gates of hell mm. with one l um nordic hell yes you will. <laughs> but yes uh, he's given uh a snake uh, the he witch tosses a snake at him and by the way the the he witch also like burns a lock of hair and then goes into convulsions um, and also we get that weird hazy backlighting behind Durs 
that seems to signify drugs. Yes. Um, because later on in the film, we obviously have some mushrooms being incorporated into the proceedings. Mm-hmm. And again, we have the same lighting and even the same camera angle. So I want to say maybe some some fumes were inhaled by both parties here in the He Witch's Cave uh, during this whole storytelling process. But um, a, the He Witch tosses a snake at him that magically transforms into a rope, which then he uses to go to... Uh, the interior of a mound somewhere near the village where he is told the sword will be. Um, And he finds a mummy sitting on a throne, a giant mummy, by the way. Um, And that's where the sword lies. Yeah. And uh, he ends up having to fight this dude. And this is where I'm like, this is a real Conan the Barbarian moment. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) We have a little ghost battle and he ends up getting the sword. Um, We cut over to ATJ and important uh, detail go for it sorry I, I, this is gonna keep happening but i'm sorry uh yeah. so he has a fight scene like a, a decent like one two minute fight scene with this giant mummy uh wielding the sword um they have a, a scrap and it's 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 a fun little action beat and then he depacketates the mummy and as any good viking is wont to do he shoves the head up the mummy's ass mm-hmm. um and then I think Hawk's a loogie or something, because again, man, <laughs> manly man. Yeah. Um, but the important detail isn't that. It's that it's once he dispatches the mummy, the camera's on a dolly, and it just slides over. And then he is standing before the mummy, who is still seated. Mm. And then we see him take the sword off the mummy, and the mummy instantly crumbles into dust. Oh, yeah. That's- so I want to say that was, that was him imagining that whole contest with the mummy, who, by the way like a video game boss uh, is is stopped in his tracks by moonlight mm-hmm. it's like you, you need to find the pattern <laughs> i was uh watching this movie in our westford uh, westward facing bedroom that's where the window faces i was watching this at golden hour so like the, this is a really dark movie so it's really hard to see so some of these i'm just like i can't even see what's happening in some of these scenes so yeah i didn't even catch that um but yeah uh, ATJ, uh, she is refusing to have sex with Fulnir, uh, to the point where she rubs her period blood on his face. Uh, so that'll that. do it. That'll do it. <laughs> that, yeah. Uh, don't, yeah, not really in the mood anymore. Thanks yep. for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh, you ruined the mood. Uh, but, but, you know, something tells me it wasn't going to be consensual. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. It worked out for both parties and yes. and me, the viewer, as yes. well. Yes, yes, very much. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, uh, so, yeah, so he hides his sword. You know, he can't be found found out with that. Uh, and then they ask yeah. if he can fight. And uh, we get to the game. Uh, we get introduced to this game. It's a, a wall of death. This is very common... <laughs> Very common at uh, at metal concerts where they split the crowd into two and they go into their song and they smash together like it's a battle scene. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this is quite a game. A buddy of mine has this old. Um, it's called Kube. It's a it's an old Viking game. I, they they must have really liked games. <laughs> it was their jam. Um, it's a pretty fun game. Really simple to play. Uh, but this one. This one seems very violent. Coob, you just standing on opposite sides of the yard and you're throwing wooden pegs at other wooden pegs. It's not that not that bad. This is this is downright. This is this is irresponsible, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need some adults in the room for this. Seriously. Oh, 
Is there a weight class? Are we are we not doing weight classes because the goddamn mountain is playing this game? Yeah, Hafthor goddamn Bjornsson uh, is one of the opposing team members. Um, and yes, he makes Durs look pretty small, um, which is saying a lot because Durs is probably a, a, a stiff 6'4 with abs. He's easily 6'4 <laughs> with abs, yeah. <laughs> I think Hafthor is more like 6'9? Six, he's 6'9, six, uh, right? I do believe. Uh, yeah. He's a, he is trimmed down quite a lot though uh, yeah since around the time of filming this movie though because he, he was boxing most recently like last oh, time i saw him that's terrifying like like actually boxing with gloves like like not not like headgear and amateur stuff i think I, they have a picture of him when he was like 19 and you're like that's not him he's just like super skinny so i thought maybe he may have played basketball or something um as a as a younger lad but uh boxing i felt like he would get gassed so quickly uh, that kind of was the case. I actually watched some some bits and pieces of one of his fights. I think he's had more than one, but he he actually slimmed down a lot, so he actually made an honest attempt at getting into that. One of the other uh, strongman guys did it with him. It was uh, Eddie something or other. He's British. Oh, I know who you're talking I, about. Yeah. yeah, giant power belly on that guy. Oh, uh, the yeah. two of them, they both. I, th- I think they fought each other actually at one point. <sighs> yeah, Eddie. God damn it! If you hadn't said it, <laughs> if you hadn't said his name. I would. I could have told you who it was. Um, <laughs> damn it. Um, that's okay. Anyway, uh, some choice words that I absolutely needed to point out here. Um, a, pe- a period is referred to as woman's tide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. That's that's. Woman's that's time. pretty awesome. <laughs> that's, yeah. um, and also, uh, Durs is committed to this idea that apparently now he has it in his head that it is foretold, therefore it will be, uh, that he will he will slay uh, Fjolnir in a burning lake. Put a pin in that. Yeah. Uh, because he is, he is going to make that happen. Um, and in the meantime, though, what's really funny about this act of the film is that he has committed... Uh, to tormenting Fjolnir until a burning lake should appear. Yes. yes. <laughs> so he's, he's literally farting around until the time is right. Dude, I don't know if he is more terrifying as a giant, like, just like just meat, just a big piece of meat, or him cut up. It's either it's terrifying. Either way, it's bad. <laughs> uh, uh, are you referring to Hopthor? Yes. Uh, yeah, because I'm looking at his pictures where he has abs, and a man of that size should not have abs. <laughs> No, nothing that big should move that fast. No, <laughs> nothing that big should move that fast. <laughs> uh, Same could be said for Chris Farley. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I think he had some help. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little help. Uh, I mean, both of them, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, regulate strongman Kyle. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that this, this game sequence, I thought that... Uh, so yeah, so he ends up like dueling down with the mountain. He ends up playing this game where they have to tackle each other and hit a ball with like a cricket bat to a post. And the mountain, yeah, the mountain's really good at it. Um, he's really good and really, really committed. Like he's really in it to win it, dude. No matter what, if yeah, <laughs> do you give him a time machine and put him on the on the uh, on the football field? Like he would have smashed some skulls. It would have been pretty great. Oh, if only he were. If only he were American, we would be watching him every week play football. Like he, he would be. We huge. would find 
We would find a place for you. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, we don't make them that big here. Um, but yet, so they're playing this game. And by the way, children should be nowhere near this game. Uh, and this little fucking kid runs out onto the onto the court. And the mountain is, he is, he is in game mode. He's got his game face on. He's not fucking around. And he fucking lays this kid out to the point where I thought he killed him easily. I was ready for that kid to be dead. Yeah. Like, I, I was expecting <laughs> He'd kill me. Um, I'm a I'm a grown I'm a grown ass man. If he would have hit me that hard, he would have killed me. Dude, he could kill you on accident. Yes. Easily. <laughs> just a, a few too many beers and an overly enthusiastic happy new year hug. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. He's kinda like Frankenstein's like, oh no, killed another. <laughs> Oh no, he didn't float. Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> uh, but he like head uh, Scarsgard gets the drop on him somehow, and he headbutts him to death. It seems. Yeah, he uh, he gives him the ninja scroll headbutts, mm-hmm. uh, just repeated, just goosh, 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 goosh. It's pretty spectacular. It's very yeah. metal. Uh, yeah, but hard cut from the game uh, to Nordic pop music. Yeah, uh, pre Abba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, I said party. Oh, we fucking this is this is a fuck party. Um, yeah, uh, I do like this where he gets his uh, the little shitbag's older son comes up to him. He's like, "Listen, father likes you. We're not going to set you free, but you can bang your girlfriend that we know that you've got a crush on." Um, they hook up and then they talk about um, uh, about what they're going to do. I guess they're they're ha- they're hatching a plan here. She talks about some hippy dippy gobbledygook. Yeah. Um, but uh, the the older son Thor Thorir, I believe is his name, the, the one with the bad facial hair. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, he used some choice words here that I think are worth pointing out because it directly ties into one of the major themes uh, that would be fate being inescapable. Uh, he says, uh, "The stench of a lowborn slave cannot escape him," as in where you are is where you will remain. Um, class ascension didn't exist (laughs) until the modern era so stuff like this was very true but again it it ties in very strongly to the narrative I thought that was worth pointing out but uh, yeah uh, ATJ endures Uh, they get to fucking in the woods Uh, lots of people get lots of people get to fucking in these woods Um, and she prays to her gods who differ from his god Mm -hmm. Odin uh, she prays to her earth gods uh, because she is one of the Rus people, mm-hmm. uh, so she's from a totally different region, uh, for guidance uh, in her plans to escape and uh, his freedom from his fate. Uh, something that I don't think at this point in the story he even thought would be conceivable. Like He could never conceive of the idea of escaping his fate, but she's like actively doing what she can as a fucking slave with you know beliefs uh to help him and also we are shown that she is collecting mushrooms yeah uh which will play into the plot later but then we get a chapter break in the form of the night blade feeds yeah <laughs> that's pretty metal uh dude that sounds like a fucking black metal song um yeah so <laughs> durs ends up killing a couple of piss boys uh and then he ends up making an awesome horse shrine uh with these guys it's pretty awesome um and they're they're like speculating like who could have done this and the the old lady's just like this is not of this world and like uh could it have been a christian this was where that line it's like their god is a corpse nailed to a tree so maybe it was one of them 
Oh, still awesome. There's Wait. some there's some really great lines here. There the, are. Their god is a corpse nailed to a tree is the highlight, but uh, Christ, Christian monsters is thrown around when they're interrogating the slaves. Uh, but my favorite, besides the god one, uh, is a uh, lackbeard. I love that as an insult. Lackbeard, as in you have no facial hair. Oh yeah, you are different from us, uh, the Nordic people. Lackbeard. <laughs> that's, that's I'm, so cool. I'm, I'm a borderline lackbeard, so I take offense to that. So yeah, no, I, I, I've got some Korean friends who are lackbeards. It's not their fault. It's just their genetic heritage. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, uh, he makes art of their corpses. Michael Myers would be proud. Oh in no! In fact, you could different different movie. You could just have Michael Myers standing behind some sheets in the wind and just being like thumbs up brother <laughs> there's definitely some dude with glasses and a scarf that doesn't match the time of year it should be worn looking at this like oh this is this is something else this is art like it's really it's really <laughs> incredible <laughs> no joke man. he uh, makes he makes a horse out of body parts human body parts it's well, hard to do it's hard to do like it's it's very masterfully done i i i, I applaud him um so I, I have here we're gonna hold off on the shrooms uh because we they're having like a it's crisis now like we've got to pray to odin and we've got to figure this shit out i think we're gonna sacrifice a lady to odin or something yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, the lady from Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like our priestess, like our local priestess. Anything happens, it's like, well, I'm an old priestess. Let's kill one of those young virgin girls. Jeez. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, the old priest, too, is like, same thing. Got to kill one of them young virgin girls. You know, I'm angry. It's like, some people got murdered. We better start killing our own. It's how, it's how we fix things around here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kill someone. Who, yeah, why don't you kill someone who's useless? Like you, old man. Gosh, you can't even carry fucking <laughs> water, dude. Um, uh, so, yeah, I'm like, uh, what are we doing with the lady that's hogtied? What, what are we doing here? Um, uh, and then the dog attacks out of nowhere. The dog attacks full This was near. cool. Yeah. This was cool. Uh, so, Alexander Skarsgård, uh, Slaughter Wolf, or uh, Bear Wolf, I yes. think is what he refers to himself as. Yes. Uh, he goes by an alias at this point in the movie. I forget what it is, but it, it sounds like Bear Wolf. Um, anyway, that's what he calls himself. Uh, and we did see him go into a frenzy and do berserker rage and like become like a werewolf, basically. Uh, so, he seems to have that within him. So, we see him howling in the middle of the night. Um uh, just over and over and over again and it drives all the dogs on the property into a frenzy including mm. fjolnir's dog like his own personal dog rocky i think is the dog rocky name. yeah uh yeah rocky <laughs> yeah because i have rocky um, the, i have rocky no yeah yeah and the dog actually gets stirred up into such a frenzy that it attacks its master um yeah. and he ends up killing his own dog but yeah. the point is we're remember you need to put yourself in a place in time all this weirdness happening like corpses strung up to look like horses and and now my own dog attacking me and stuff like witchcraft must be afoot demons have to be afoot like this has to be some spectral horse shit um so yeah the priest and priestess are once again recruited to do some work um actually before they can do that sacrifice uh Amleth intercepts them, Durs intercepts them, and eviscerates the priest and hangs yeah. him from the ceiling, strings up the priestess, and also frees the sacrifice. Yeah. Um, so he is he is adhering to his word. He is making Fjolnir's life 
a little inconvenient at this moment. <laughs> Very much. Uh, yeah, and it's like, slaves, protect this place. Now, now it's like nighttime, and they're like, you have to protect this place now. I'm like, I don't think you guys have this place under control here if you're putting us, if you're, <laughs> if you're putting us to work. Uh, I mean, do you think you are in charge? <laughs> do you feel in charge? Uh, yeah, and then uh, I think... Uh, I didn't see the shot, but what I'm gathering is is we put some mushrooms into the goat head. Are these goat's heads that they're eating? Uh, I know there was a heart in there and what appeared to be some innards of some sort. It's an organ stew, maybe? <laughs> uh, oh, what's that shit called? Uh, we put it in the sheep's stomach. He has the whole monologue in it. Oh, haggis. That's what it oh, is, haggis. Haggis, yeah. yeah. Scottish haggis, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the, the noseless guy, I'm like, oh, he's still around. I forgot he was here, but yeah, he's eaten some mush. Actually, yeah, it, it's worth pointing out, noseless is around for quite a while, and also, um, the dude with the voice. Not, not the guy from The Witch, but there's a, a giant fucking dude on the property that, uh, has a deep fucking voice, that he is one of the party that assisted in Ethan Hawke's murder, mm-hmm. so he's like part of the bad guy, quote, bad guys. Yeah. They're not really bad guys any worse than anyone else anyway yeah um he's also among their ranks through the entirety of the film that's a good point it's like who's the bad guy i'm like well i'm pretty sure everybody's doing the same things i think everybody's raping and murdering i think that's i think that's part of the point of the story is that like this was just the style of the time (laughs) it's just the style (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah noseless uh he partakes of like a sheep's heart or something laced with the mushrooms that we saw atj collecting earlier mm-hmm. um and he trips balls yeah. he's tripping uh, so they think that all the balls so now they think that they're all possessed because one dude's like stabbing himself in the throat uh, i don't know what that was all about these are some cra- these are some crazy mushrooms bro he got a bad <laughs> he got a bad <laughs> dose man um <laughs> Yeah, but Durs Durs is like, okay, now I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to my mom's house, and he he goes to his mom's house, and this is. I thought that this was a really good scene. Uh, this I, is probably the biggest acting moment in the whole movie. There's, I was wondering why is Nicole Kidman here this. for the entire movie, and then this happens. It's like, oh, this well, that explains it. Yes, <laughs> it's like, I, now I know. Um, I need to. I have to point this out. This is a a very specific Easter egg that uh, Brad. Brad, if you can hear me, Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast, friend of the show, Brad. Um, one hour, twenty six minutes, and twenty six seconds on on the Peacock streaming service. Navigate to that on the Northman, and you will find literally Brad's stock puke sound that he uses on the soundboard <laughs> about five times a fucking episode. My, I like jumped out of my seat. I was like, "Did Brad like invade the movie? Is he on Peacock?" Because it's literally the same sound effect. Oh, okay, I was, I was blown away. One hour, twenty six minutes, twenty six seconds. There you go, Brad. Look for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like this because he, he 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 he's like, "Mom, it's me," and she's like, "Holy shit, it is you! Wow, it's crazy." He's like, "I'm here to I'm here to save you," and she's like, "Nope." I don't need saving. Uh, actually, I fucking hated your dad. I'm glad he's dead. Uh, she has some. She has uh, pretty much every line. Like you've been saying, like every line is important. But the few that I that stood out to me was like, "Your father endured me. He was a coward." And I, she's basically like, "Your uncle was always way better, and your dad was a pussy." Basically, 
yeah th- this scene is like like Kyle said, literally every line carries so much meaning um, to the point that I actually wanted to rewatch just the scene before we recorded. I didn't get around to it, but um, her character is very fascinating because yes. from Amleth's perspective, she's the devil. Like she is the worst human being. Like she is, he uses a really cool phrase later that he, she killed my past. Yeah. As in she trampled everything that like the whole thesis of my life up into this point. Yeah. And that's very true, but what's interesting is her motivations. Is because, because of the style of storytelling present in this movie, it's very difficult to determine if she, like the men in this movie, is just doing what she has to. Like she's just playing into the role because that's that's what you do, or if or if like she's putting on a front, or if, or if she actually does love the uncle because. So much of what she says can be interpreted as her being opportunistic, mm-hmm. where she's just she's just adhering to the lay of the land and making making her way through life with as less with the least friction possible, um, because she's a woman in a time when being a woman was very 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 difficult. I think the dichotomy and the motivations is what makes this this scene so interesting because she it's ha- so interesting. Yeah. She has it on uh, in her holster, ready to go to the point where it's like, I think she's just protecting her meal ticket because there's no good outcome for her in this. But at the same time, she says, "I was a slave. Your like your dad just was like, this is the one I'm going to choose. We had a kid. It's like if she never really liked him, are you really going to like the kid that you have with him? Or if you've already made your peace with him dying, you have your new kids that she very much loves. Like she very much loves those kids, uh, and she loves her yeah. family union. So it's like I I don't know. It could be either way." I- it it's probably a little bit of both it's yeah. impossible to to figure out it that's what makes it so fascinating is because part of you wants to believe one angle but then you get plenty of evidence to suggest the other but and on top of that she's selling the hell out of the material oh. she's really going for broke uh she's rounding she's rounding third going home like she knocked it out of the park it's it's a really it's probably the best acted scene in the whole in the whole uh and he the way he's reacting to it is, is really good as well not to give her all the credit oh like, yeah it, it, no, it, it, there's there are two people in the room yeah, yes. she's just she's just the one with all the dialogue but he is absolutely in it with her yes um, very good i love that he storms off and she like almost has like a witch's cackle at him mm-hmm. and and oh, uh, that's great she screams at him like she is his death it's, it's like wow Yikes. She, yeah, she comes in and smashes it. And then I thought he killed the... I thought he got uh, Fulner, Fulnir. No, no, no. No, it's kind of funny. He handles this like like a dude from the Viking times. He, he's pissed off because someone said some mean words to him, so he's got to put his sword through a person who's asleep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's truly fucked up. Yeah, he killed his oldest... Yeah, he ends up killing the oldest son, and it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Um, he he, Jason Voorhees is him. Like, if, yeah. I don't know if you've seen Freddy versus Jason, but there's that it's early that. kill where he stabs <laughs> the guy through the bed, and the guy's he squeezes the beer so hard it explodes. Yeah, and then he folds the bed. It's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it's <laughs> like this is now I'm on his side. Like I was like I'm glad he did that. I'm glad he killed him to piss them off. Like to make this so much worse. I was starting to get into that into that Viking mindset. I'm like, yeah, fuck him. I will become a hailstorm of iron and steel. Shit. 
Yeah. <laughs> this movie is metal. It's like, I thought you were already doing that, but okay. <laughs> this movie is metal. Um, the, oh, so, by the way, he follows that, that up by saying, I will not kill a woman. Yeah, he does say that. <laughs> He's like, I will not. She's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not get out of hand here. Yeah. And then they start. Uh, then he's just like, he has all the slaves lined up on their knees, and he just like kills the first, like slits the first one's throat, walks down a little bit, and it's like, I'm going to find out. And he slits a, a lady's throat, and he's just like, like he's, he means business. Fulnir means business. Uh, and then he gets a hold of ATJ, and uh, I like what she says to him. She's like, I see you no longer fear a woman's blood. <laughs> Which was a was a pretty nice line. Oof. See, uh, that's a callback to what Ethan Hawke told his son on his last day on Earth. Was like, you know, be fearful of women. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like, it's like they may not have the same weapons as you, but they they have weapons. <laughs> well, she says to him when they like playing their vengeance. She's like, you can you can destroy him with your strength. I'll destroy him with my words. Like that was like yes. were her weapons. Yeah, she and, says she she has a talent for noodling inside people's minds and just destroying them, and we see it on display here. But um, Nicole Kidman here uh, is now a she's now a member of the cast proper. Like she yeah. has more to do now, and I I love when Fjolnir is mourning Thordir because mm-hmm. uh, his his heart's been taken out. Like he's basically he's on his knees crying before his dead son because you know he's emotional. He's a dad. And then she like steps to him and like grabs him by the the cheek or by the chin and turns his head forcefully to look at her in the eyes and she's like, "Don't do this in front of the men." Yeah. Like she's like, "You gotta be a you gotta be a dude," and that's where like so many layers of her character where it's like, "Oh shit," it's not just toxic masculinity. It's like it's like the whole culture. It's both like everybody's playing into the system. It's like yeah, the dudes are perpetrating most of it, but. In order to exist and thrive in this environment, the women have to play into it too, and so she she's like incur- she knows that he's he's the person that maintains her security and her status. So she's like, mm-hmm. you got to be a dude for both of us. Yeah. Like like you if you look bad, I look bad. We can't have that. Yeah. It's it's scary because <laughs> she's like, and then she has God the dialogue in this. Like if you if you can if you can catch it because it comes pretty fucking fast mm-hmm. let my words be the whetstone to your biting rage mm-hmm. shit yeah shit like if, if, if my lady told me that i'd go out and oh yeah work some fools dude you <laughs> like, go easy you'll go straight berserker dude <laughs> <laughs> i would step to hop the Bjornsson, no yeah. problem <laughs> uh yeah i love this so he uh uh he comes down he's like i have to go hide in the mountain he comes down from the mountain he's just like I am I am my father's vengeance or whatever. And this I think that this is probably the worst uh little secret like him just fighting a couple of dudes real quick. It's not it's not telegraph it's not choreographed very well. It looks I think it's intentional. Okay. I think it's like in retrospect, in the moment I agree with you, but in retrospect I think there's a point to this. Because the way it's shot, the way it's framed is so unglamorous mm-hmm. and so almost pathetic. That I, th- I think this is meant to be an eerily real moment in a movie that has, t- like, tinges of fan- fantasy to it. Mm-hmm. So he's just, like, standing on a on a grassy hill. Like, not on a mountaintop, not shirtless and greased up. He's just, like, standing in his fucking rags yeah. on the side of a green mound. And he says, hey, I'm over here. Yeah. I got your son's heart in a bag. And then he 
screams at a bunch of dudes. Nicole Kidman says, "Get him! Get him! (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) get him!" (laughs) Uh, And he beats the fuck out of a bunch of dudes. And by the way, this entire sequence, uh, he never unsheathes his sword because them's the rules. Yeah. Um, And again, I don't know if that's actually how it functions. We actually do see some evidence suggesting that maybe, maybe there are some rules behind this sword. Um, but he never unsheaths the sword, so he's just, like, bluntly smacking all these guys, and he beats them all up, but then they get the better of them, because, hey, there's, like, four or five of them, and he's one dude standing on a grassy hill, and it just looks so shitty. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like it doesn't look like an action movie. It looks like what this would probably just look like. It's just a bunch of guys in rags running into each other sloppily. It, it, it even for like the the choreography like you know when Sonny Corleone beats the shit out of uh, his sister's husband and like you can see Jimmy Kahn like like do the punch but he's like a foot away from his face that was just a bad angle for the yeah. camera it felt kind of like that where it's just like it looked sloppy in the way that it was actually choreographed but maybe you're right maybe it was just supposed to look shitty I, I don't know how much experience. Uh, Durs Alexander Skarsgård has with action stuff. I know he he got jacked for Tarzan. I didn't see that movie, so I don't know what sort of action stuff he had to do for it. But he's not amazingly graceful. Mm-hmm. Um, so may, maybe it's just like the limitations of the performers and the style of cinematography they're they're going for. Because this movie does not have fast edits to hide behind. Um, so a lot of it is like just flat camera angles and and yeah real-time stuff um lots of heavy labored movements and whatnot yeah Uh, so long story short though he gets his ass beat and uh he confronts fjolnir with this problem of you did like i i called you out just now that was my bad but um, (laughs) that that heart that's in that sack how do you actually know it's your son's heart yeah, could and be that actually no, we don't have D- we don't have DNA testing yeah. now. It's like it could be that do- it could be a dog's heart that I killed the other day. Like you don't know. Um, yeah, and yeah. Fjolnir has a choice line here: "Evil begets evil," which sounds very Christian, mm-hmm. uh, but you know that's a pretty universal concept that maybe some people in this movie should have thought about uh, a couple of times. But we're not here for that apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, the bird like they leave. I do. This is kind of funny. Like they they all leave. They're like, we're gonna come back and really work you over. Uh, and then the bird, yeah, the birds end up letting him go, uh, <laughs> which was kind of when they get back, they're like, fuck, like he was right here, like he's gone. And uh, <laughs> this seems like it could be what it could be one of those like folklore things where it's like they went back into the barn and like there's no way anybody got him out of there. But it was like maybe it could have just been a shitty rope. And a bird was just happened to be in there, and they're like, "Oh no, Odin's raven let him out of here." In in retrospect, a raven was in there, and the rope was shit. Yeah, but yeah. See that? I mean, that's what we're talking about when we say there's certain elements of this movie that are directly calling attention to the fact that if you if you want to buy into it, you certainly can. But we're we're going to leave you. We're going to leave the door open for further interpretations. But yeah, the, by the way, this sequence is uh, uh, the tree of woe. Uh, from Conan the Barbarian, uh, the torture sequence, uh, because yeah. our hero is strung up and tortured by the quote villain, Thulsa Doom, aka Fjolnir. Um, by the way, Odin the Allfather will vanquish your god of erections. Um, I think Fjolnir's god is Freyr. I-, I don't know that particular god from uh, Nordic myth, um, 
but yeah apparently he worships a god of erections hey interesting don't we all um i mean that's important <laughs> it's real important erections are real important just yeah leave it at that <laughs> uh and then we get the most airy aster uh sequence of the film this very much i was watching this and this is where it kind of hit me i'm like i feel like uh i'm gonna i need to say his name ari aster i say it wrong on purpose it's ari aster um but this this was the sequence where i'm like this feels like it would be in one of his films because this is i thought this was a really crazy uh sequence here uh, as the boy's funeral the older boy's funeral ah yeah this uh this almost feels procedural Mm-hmm. Like it just felt it like a historic reenactment, essentially. Yeah, it's like the it's like the sequence in um, oh god damn it, the wailing with the uh, with the with the crazy dude. Uh, oh, the Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. the Exorcist. Um, yeah, it, same same kind of idea. I feel like where you're just watching, and it does very much just feel like a procedure. Um, yeah, you just feel like a fly on the wall for some sort of someone's heritage project or something <laughs> this is one of those i want to go back and watch this scene again because the way it's introduced to us we have a, a girl whose head is above a board and she's like i see my family and then her head disappears she's like i see something else and she sees like a few things and you can see that she's really rattled like like there's there's something off about her um and we're at a funeral and we've got you know the the oldest son he's in a boat and then we've got the family are in like uh, different attire as like some kind of garment um we got the of course we've got the the witch doctor the witch doctor doing some stuff um and i'm starting to figure out like i'm I'm piecing this together i'm like are they gonna set it on fire like how's this gonna go i'd heard in ancient egypt that uh like pharaohs were buried with their servants and stuff like that and all their wealth and i'm like what is she doing in the boat uh we figure out pretty quickly what she's doing in the boat yeah she's uh she's whaling like not hunting whales but making sounds yes Um, and uh she's placed in the boat by the the priestess from earlier in the movie the lady from texas chainsaw massacre i'm never going to get tired of pointing that out just because it's so so funny that that she has both of those on her resume this year yeah (laughs) um but uh yeah uh, the priestess like feeds her a bowl of something that i assume is laced with drugs or something or painkiller of some kind yeah yeah and then she stabs her in the midsection and kills her yeah um so i guess the idea is you're sent to the afterlife with a companion maybe i I thought maybe if it was his wife so i was thinking maybe like i don't know if he's married maybe if if he has a wife that's the that's how you get sent like if you're killed like that's you get sent off with your spouse. That's it for you too. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Um, but yeah, and I then, mean, actually, that that would make sense. I mean, the the way the culture structured, I could see that. But um, there's an additional sacrifice yes. though, uh, in the form of the younger brother, uh, the bratty one. Uh, he is assigned the task of uh, sacrificing Thorir's horse, mm-hmm. uh, who presumably that's his way of going with him as well into the afterlife. Killing a lot of animals, a lot of animals in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, a lot, a lot of animals going down in the Northman. So yeah. trigger alert, and like two hours in or whatever. The fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Durs and ATJ while he was distracting. Uh, While well, he was distracting them earlier, ATJ gets away, but now they get away and bang in a hot spring. Um, that's, that's, yeah. That's mostly it, yeah. but before that, uh, he has a vision not only of Odin standing over him in the barn, um, but also of a Valkyrie 
uh, carrying him on on their horse uh, into the mountains. And uh, when he awakes in the hot spring, uh, he discovers, oh, it wasn't a Valkyrie, or or was it? Um, it was Olga, aka ATJ, who brought him. And yes, they they fuck in a hot spring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, they have a little heart to heart here that was like you're waiting the whole movie for this because from where i'm sitting i'm very very frustrated with him in particular i'm like you're a fucking idiot mm-hmm. <laughs> get your head out your ass um but uh they commiserate over the fact that like we've been living our lives according to the cultures that we were raised in and they they both admit like you know I, up until now I, I couldn't really envision a fate beyond what i i knew in my in my bones to be true and now they have each other and they weren't expecting that yeah. but it's good but they're not ready to just like Im- like rush headlong into that it's like just keep banging and be happy yeah good god it's, it's not that hard this is as good <laughs> as it's going to get sir like i know it's like how how do you miss that <laughs> just stay in the hot springs you'll get a little pruney you should probably yeah. get out every once in a while yeah keep banging yeah. it's fine um, um yeah they and, uh, yeah this is where that line she murdered my past comes out i love that line it's way. good and uh hate is all i have ever known but i wish i could be free of it so this is like him actually touching the the mind of modern man yeah just just scraping the surface a little bit he's trying he's reaching for it yeah. um then i think uh my note here says the witch dude Oh, it's because the cast member from The Witch. That's right. The guy yes. with the voice. Yes. The guy that burps the guy that burps and sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have I was going to get a, a, an Inya sail, uh, sa- uh, sound bite of uh, sail away, sail away because they're sailing away. Um, but this is like she's just like, "Oh yeah, we're we're sailing away. We're going to get out of here." And uh, she's like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I'm pregnant." And he's just like, "Fuck yeah." Um, listen, uh I'm gonna be right back. I gotta go kill him real quick. I'll 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 meet you later. Okay. Uh, yeah. Different movie. This would have been hilarious yeah. instead of frustrating because like they're both ecstatic. Yeah. Like, he's like my my boys can swim. That's yeah. super awesome. Juice. And by the way, the <laughs> the way he discovers he discovers she's pregnant. Um, he like touches the wound on her neck where where the blood and where her heart is pumping and whatnot. And then we get that same graphic, that same image of the heart. And uh, I think it's symbolic of the, the bloodline, essentially. Um, and it now has an additional tier to it where it's like it's Ethan Hawke. And then above Ethan Hawke is Amleth. And then above Amleth are a boy and a girl, uh, both wearing fancy robes and like a crown and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he like pulls away from ATJ and he's like, you pregnant? And she's like, I, yes. And she's like, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And he just like. Um, yeah. But then immediately he starts crying and he's like, I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he jumps off this boat like fucking Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> he's like, I gotta go back and kill these people. I love her, her, her little moment here. Her little. Oh my God. It's really good. She did a great job. Her it's ex- like, it's like the, like similar to Nicole Kidman. It's like. I was waiting the whole movie. I knew this was going to be there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's just a little bit of an afterthought. But it's like you you had to give her one of these at mm-hmm. least. Because she's capable. And holy shit. Like, yeah. This is 
this is scary, honestly. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, she be- she believes. Yeah. It's like, I will make you a true believer. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking, I'm like, I'd like some more, Not, I don't think that he'll do it anymore, but I need some more Tom Cruise roles where he's the villain. I think we only have Collateral is like the only one where I, I know that he's the villain. I'd like some more where he's the bad guy because I think that he would be, uh, he could really get under your skin. I, I want her to play some bad some bad people because I think that she could really knock that out of the park. She's terrifying. Yeah. Like like she's very capable of putting you on your heels. And uh, yeah, she has this this moment here where she is conjuring the spirits. She is talking mm-hmm. to the earth spirits. Uh, I think to like drive the sails of the ship. Yeah. Like to summon a headwind or something. But um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a bravo moment in terms of like her acting real. Um, and then, yeah, he swims back to shore. God, it's like, it, dude, dude, I don't know if you can make it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's, he, he's, he's out for revenge. Uh, and then, yeah, this is the, the final, the final bit of the, like the final act of the film is killing everybody. Um, he sneaky yeah, sneaks. The, vo- his... the volcano that we've been cutting to throughout the entire movie finally splooges. Yeah. Um, Skadoosh. You, you asked yeah. for a burning lake. You asked for a burning lake. I give you burning lake. Yes. Um, first, the first guy we get, uh, just just great. I, this is really good. It, <laughs> we kill the, we kill the nose guy, uh, and I think that he kind of lets he lets him know like, hey, I'm the boy that took your fucking nose, and he's like, I'm here for the rest, and he just slow motion, not not the not the way it's filmed. Like he slowly pushes his sword into his face. It is. It's incre. It's incredibly brutal. Yeah. It's like my my name is Amleth. You assisted in the killing of my father. Prepare to die. To prepare to die. <laughs> yes. And yes, he he just slowly he inserts. He doesn't stab. No. He inserts a sword into this man's facial cavity because yeah. he has no nose, and out the back of his head. It's gnarly it's it's up <laughs> it's th- awesome though <laughs> i mean it doesn't have the same impact but it's up there with adam goldberg getting it and saving private ryan as far as like ooh, that i could feel that going into me see what what i would have loved is if he inserts it and then when it hits the back of the skull like, yeah like it it shoots forward or something because it's like super smooth all the way through but i would I, love just like i and think then hard cut <laughs> i think that's what makes it worse is like him slowly going in with it um it's it's pretty fucking savage it's what it it's is. tasty <laughs> uh so he kills him and then he disembowels another guy uh and he that's the that's the guy i talked about the deep the boy. big fella okay the, yeah deep voice guy yeah disembowels him it's it's good i mean it's it's hard to fuck up a disembowel disemboweling shot like it's pretty simple dude get go to a butcher get the intestines come in just plop 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 like plopping them out and it it works tom savini would approve yeah all good uh he frees the ladies uh i'm guessing these were all the rape ladies like these were just the ones that's what they're yeah I mean, that's, that's their job title. That's their sure. job title, unfortunately. By it's, the way, really important line here. A really important line that I, I thought anyway. Uh, it's so it's super like blinking, you'll miss it. But uh, when he opens that door after disemboweling the guy, he tells them all the ladies, "Take of you your freedom and do with it what you will. Mm-hmm. Take your own goddamn advice, pal." Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't. Like, like that's the whole point of the story is that he's allowing him to himself Dude. to be a slave to his own fate stone cold stole his belt son he's got to go get it 
All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get to the top of that ladder. He's gotta get. To, he's got a ladder match to go to, bro. There's no fucking around. Um, and then this was. We got any folding chairs back here? <laughs> this is not how I thought that this would play out, but I'm fine with how it plays out. Um, he goes to he goes to his mom's house again to find. Uh, he like all of his dad. I think it's his dad's jewelry is on the table. Is that the thing? Yeah. Uh, he goes back there, I think, to get something, and his mom pops out of the closet, <laughs> and uh, I think she does. She she gets a swipe on his stomach or something. She takes a couple chunks out of him. Chunks. I think it's like on his arm and his midsection, and she uh, he does a little bit of sparring with her, and but she goes down swinging. Yeah. Uh, he he takes her. He takes out his own mom, and I think he stabs her in the heart, basically. Yeah. Uh, and then the little kid. And jumped. she thanks him. Yeah. She thanks. She him. thanks him. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. pretty crazy. It's like now I got yeah. that noodling around. It's like what? Why would you think me? <laughs> God damn it! Quit fucking with my head. He just like just tosses her corpse on the ground. Just like God damn it! <laughs> Trying to enjoy myself. God damn it! Ruining this. Uh, and then the little kid pops out with a knife and it just starts stabbing him in the back. And uh, he incidentally kills him like he just kind of it just kind of happens he like throws him off and like oops uh nicked him nicked him with the sword <laughs> so he's dead too <laughs> shit well, nicked, I mean, it. All, nicked it <laughs> i mean any of us with you know like nephews and nieces we've all roughhoused a little too hard yeah. with a little one here and there it's like god damn it you can't take it back you now see, they're crying see, it's all my fault <laughs> see nick play with his kids and you just hear it you just see their head hit the the floor a little too hard and like oh we're good we're good it's the, <laughs> oh god I, I hate that that moment yeah it's just like oh shit <laughs> it's like did i break him <laughs> is he dead is he dead <laughs> um i understood that reference by the way i just want to say real quick it is <laughs> it i really enjoyed this most recent episode of two bears one cave uh I, it, <laughs> it was really great bert is in full like, he is just full blast uh he was in full bert mode it was a lot of fun to watch uh <laughs> I'll have to check it out. Oh, oh, buddy, it's it's good. Okay. It's good. Okay, I'm sold. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so I like his uh, Fulnir just kind of like saunters in and just sees like what happens, and he picks up his boy and he grabs the queen, Nicole Kidman, and he's just like, "I'll see you at the gates of hell." It's just like we're gonna duel, dude. I'm curious. Like, I don't have the tools uh, or the background to actually know the artistic or scientific meaning behind this but the the cinematography in this movie is curious from time to time i don't i again i I actually don't know what the intention is but it it has a feel to it like it has a quality to it that's interesting because the way this is shot when fjolnir walks in and decides to tend to his family rather than attempt to kill the guy who's badly wounded standing in front of him in his own home um it's like this flat Mm -hmm. just like flat angle of him standing in the center of the frame and it looks as uncinematic as possible like it looks it looks like you know just somebody set up a camera on a tripod and just planted it like mathematically in the center of the room 
And there's a lot of shots like that. And I, I, I again, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just pointing out that I noticed it. Well, um, but I'm, I'm curious if you got anything out of that. I think, um, I don't know if it's this shot specifically, if that's what the point is, but I, I'm going to go back to Ari Aster. Uh, there's a shot in Hereditary when uh, um, Homegirl shuts off the light. It's at the beginning of the film. She shuts off the light and she sees her mom standing in the shadow and it, it's an awesome shot and it's very chilling because it's it it's not a ghost it's like a legit person standing over there but it, i'm getting goosebumps thinking about it but it hits you like a ghost and huh. it's not very cinematic like there's it's not a jump scare there's no noise that goes with it he just lets you sit there and realize what you're looking at and it's very chilling and I can see that kind of being a style here where it's just like, I'm not going to jump at you. I'm not going to scare you. I'm going to let you sit with this and you take it in. And I can kind of see that for this shot, but I, I don't I don't see... Uh, you know what I'm getting no, at? You, I think you're onto something there because the camera is locked down, meaning it doesn't have any shake to it. Like it's purely It's purely stable, but it could be interpreted as a POV mm-hmm. of Amleth's eyeline and when you look at something so horrific from that angle, like it simultaneously robs it of some of its dramatic weight, um, but also in how nonchalant it, like those bodies are laid out on the ground, it also like intensifies it to some degree mm-hmm. because it's just like, oh, that's a that's a thing that he just did. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's, it's just and they're just there. You're just in it. You're just like I have to just take this in now. Like the like the characters, like my my wife and child are just dead in front of me, and this is that's it. Yeah, and 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 like even the way they're laying on the ground doesn't look dramatic. It doesn't. It's unglamorous. Like yeah, it just looks like yeah, those those are dead bodies. They fell. At, that's how they fell. Like so. Yeah. I, I, again, I'm sure somebody that has more insight into cinematography and and like actual motion picture science would have a deeper explanation. I just thought it was worth drawing attention to for a second. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, Fjolnir drags the bodies away and he says, I will meet you at the gates of hell. It, it, yeah, it just, yeah, just to finish it up, yeah, it is a very jarring way to present that. It's just not what you're expecting as the viewer. I'm like, I was expecting something different like from him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, then we get the uh, we get the volcano fight and honestly, <laughs> I... I would have liked to have seen this a little bit better because it's shot very dark. But as I'm watching it, and I didn't know that I didn't know how the story ended, but I'm like, he has to die. Like, there's no way they both have to die at the end of this. That's the only way the story makes any sense is they both have to die. Yeah, no, it comes to its natural conclusion, and mm-hmm. you'd be foolish to not see this coming. Yeah. It's not meant to surprise you. Like, it, it's that's the whole fucking point of the story that's why we keep emphasizing fate and shit it's yeah. like we're we're not going to throw a monkey wrench into things like we have had opportunities for amleth to do that for himself he's choosing not to yeah. <laughs> uh, he is marching he's marching to his doom from frame one to the end basically yeah. from the time he has that stern conversation with his dad to like his final moments and back to objectifying men, I want to go ahead and give Clace Bang a shout out. He got an incredible shout. I don't know if he's walking around like this, but he also is cut as hell in this movie. Yes, no, I, that is worth pointing out. At the funeral, you get to see some cheek and like. Oh yeah, he's, he's doing. He's, for, he's doing great. Oh, he's doing just great. Great ass. <laughs> I don't need that soundbite. I'm not going to get that soundbite. But if there was a time for it, it was then. Yeah. 
Because he got a great ass. Yeah. You got your head a- all the way up. Apparently in an interview, <laughs> uh, Al Pacino kind of hinted at, yeah, I might have been doing a little honk, 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 honk on that, on that on that movie i'd never heard that but i think he kind of alluded to it that character most certainly was never (laughs) on camera but definitely that character from heat was on the coke like that's the only way he could maintain that lifestyle and that level of intensity (laughs) yeah (laughs) i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised isn't he no judgment here isn't he a pretty bad alcoholic in that movie I think he's hitting pretty much everything pretty hard in that okay. movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, the fight. Uh, they end up. Yeah, this was fascinating. So the chapter, the final chapter, is the gates of hell. Yeah. Um, and now we have a burning lake in the form of an erupting volcano nearby, and uh, Durs rides his horse out there to the base of the volcano. And when he gets there, he sees uh, Nicole Kidman and Gunnar, the child he just killed, uh, laid out at the base of it. Mm-hmm. And with the devil. they're yeah. they're starting they're starting to get puffy. Yeah. Uh, put it that way. It's warm. Um, up there. And also, Clay's Bangs' horse is depacketed, laying next to them. So apparently, Clay's Bang is making his peace with the gods as preemptively. Um, and yeah, uh, Durs uh, dismounts and uh, he starts banging his shield and unlike for the rest of the movie he starts speaking a different language presumably some nordic tongue Mm -hmm. he speaks english throughout the entire film um and he starts chanting to himself something different than the mantra he had earlier when he was a child about like i will i will save you mother i'll I'll avenge you father i'll kill you fjolnir um now he's talking he has like three different phrases also but one of the key points he he repeats here is i will cut the thread of fate and it's like, oh, okay. So he's marching to his doom. It's funny though because the <laughs> phrasing on that can, can the phrasing on that also can be interpreted as defying one's fate. Yeah, like like breaking the cycle. It would be kind of funny if he just left. He's just like, all right, now I'm good. It's <laughs> just like just leave him up there. Like he's just like, are we gonna do this or what? And he just never shows up. Oh, I, he could. Yeah, he could Forrest Gump it. He could yeah. just stop and say, you know, I'm tired. I think. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, I'm tired. I'm losing a lot of blood. I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm good with this. It's funny. It's a line in the Gray Man that's actually a little, a little funny. A lot of blood. A lot of blood. A lot of blood. I'm not saying the Gray Man's a great movie. It's just that line made me chuckle. But um, in context. But um, yeah, uh, th- what's fascinating here is as he's banging his shield and chanting this to himself. Um, he walks into smoke Mm -hmm. and then what follows is the naked fight in the volcano and again it's like is this a vision is this imagined what actually happened like presumably he did confront fjolnir but was it did it actually play out like this Mm -hmm. or is this what's going on in his noggin i don't know i don't really care uh because the end product is is just fine uh we get a naked fight set uh, it's like smoky. There's 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 lava flowing all over the place. I like that they incorporate the lava flow into some of the choreography, where you actually see them like actively having to like step over it. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that. Yeah, I, I just, caught that too. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it, it's a nice little detail that's like, okay, they, you know, they thought about this shit. Yeah. Like, they thought about how they were going to mix the effects with the performances, and they do it pretty well. And both these guys, they're jacked to shit, they're mm. oiled up, they're going at it with sword and shield. It's pretty fucking cool. It's pretty badass. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it ends. I didn't realize, because uh, Steph hadn't wa- didn't watch the movie. She just saw, like, the last, literally, she came in during this scene, uh, when, like, the last part. And uh, I was as we were watching it, so um, Durs ends up depacitating uh, Fulnir, and I'm like, oh, fucking yeah, got him, got his ass. And she's like, ah, ah, ah. He got stabbed in the heart. I'm like, oh man. I was like, I figured they were both gonna die, but I was, I was, I was, I would have been okay if he just actually just vanquishes, like he just he he gets his mission. But no, they they kill each other. In a different movie. Uh with with a different director presumably um that would have that would have been the point is that he in surviving or in completing his task he is confronted with the reality of how he spent the past couple of decades of his life because he actually does acknowledge how pointless his life has been He, he says like his life has been death and i think i forget the exact way he phrased it but um basically it's like he's only he's only known death and he's actually looking forward to living no it's a i will decide if i have a taste for living after it's yeah. done yeah I, that, that's so sad yeah. <laughs> it's like that's so goddamn sad but different movie he would he would complete the task and then he'd have that introspective moment where he's like oh wow i don't feel any better yeah, and a lot of people are dead. Pe- people are dead. <laughs> oh, that's not good. I'm not happy. Oh no. Um, I fell on my keys. <laughs> yeah. Reep, 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 reep. But yeah, the, and the movie just ends. It's just like that's it. Uh, he- yeah, Kyle. Kyle and I had a, a nice little chat before we started recording about how, like, if you really think about it for a second, the the last shot of this movie is pretty fucking mean but it's also really fucking cool yeah um because he has a vision of olga as he's laying on his back dying um and she reassures him and he also envisions like two babies with her and this specter of olga or the spirit of olga or whatever tells him we're gonna be fine you can go into the afterlife in peace everything's cool you died in battle you good did go. good son yeah um and uh the valkyrie uh, picks him up again and uh, the vision of like I think it's like Yggdrasil or some of the world tree pops up a couple of times in the movie but presumably he is being escorted um, to Valhalla or Valhalla uh, as they call it I think mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think the phrase is uttered the thread that binds us can never break we are safe now make your passage is what Olga tells him and then we get this vision of the Valkyrie riding on its horse in space or whatever to like this the pearly gates essentially uh, according to christian stuff um and the horse gets within a few feet of the gate snap to black mm. he never actually goes through the gate yeah. never actually we never actually witness him getting his final reward well he forgot to spray paint his teeth silver before he went into <laughs> battle so and morton joke no one witnessed him yeah no one witnessed him uh so how's he supposed to get to valhalla um <laughs> 
but yeah. Um, so yeah, after talking about it, this movie was awesome. And I am no longer on the fence. I think that I actually really enjoyed this. I understand. I understand why someone would not find this as enjoyable. And I'm not going to argue with you. I completely agree that this movie does have its 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 fault. It. I can see how another viewer would say that this movie has problems, but going back through and appreciating the details, I think that this movie is actually excellent. Yeah, and one thing that's important to note for anybody listening is that we we didn't even really say anything about the visuals and the cinematography and the locations, mm. um, because this movie is absolutely gorgeous to look at from yeah. time to time. Um, it has a lot to offer, and, and yeah, in, in hashing it out and actually talking through it with you i think it's safe for me to say i i got a lot out of this Mm. um it's definitely a movie that i i needed to ponder on in order to get the most out of it because if i'm being totally honest when i was watching it i didn't get as much as what came out just now um i think it's that kind of movie for me um, so I, I actually could see myself rewatching this. I don't know if I could ever ask the girlfriend to watch it. <laughs> I feel like she'd be just infuriated by this thing. But there's a lot. There's a lot here, and and there's also a lot to like. So yeah, good good pick, Kyle. We 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 done good. I think did good. Yeah, and you know, I maybe <laughs> maybe I'll go back because I think your reaction was what I had to the Batman. And honestly, like I, this movie wasn't as violent or wasn't what I was expecting it to be. But it gave me something else that I really enjoyed. The problem with the Batman was I was expecting something. I didn't get that. And I didn't like what I got. But maybe I'll go back and give it another try. Maybe with after you broke it down a little bit more and pointed out how we kind of flipped the Batman character on its head, on his head and just changed it up a bit. Maybe I could go back and enjoy it. Yeah, not to sound conceited or big-headed, but... <laughs> Like I haven't listened to it since we dropped it, but I, I want to say the Batman was a really good episode. Like I, f- I really enjoyed that conversation. Like even if you didn't, yeah. I, I enjoyed that process. And also, I think I find myself thinking about that movie a lot. Um, and I'm really looking forward to watching it with the girlfriend. Like it's an excuse for me to rewatch it, but she hasn't seen it as of yet. And for some reason, I keep part of my brain keeps noodling on that movie i think the anger sharks were still swimming in my head when we had our conversation so i was on the defensive like no fuck you it sucked so now that i've had time to cool down (laughs) i can breathe uh, maybe i'll go back and like try to watch it again maybe listen to our episode and like point hear the things that you point out and like okay go back through try to try to see it maybe you're I can't remember if I watched it with Steph when I watched it the second time. I don't think I did, so maybe I can get her to watch it. Kuz Fraba. Yes. Kuz Fraba. <laughs> or Serenity Now, yeah. whichever one. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So did you say you have to yell it? Yes. It wasn't specific. <laughs> Jerry Stiller, we, we miss you every day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would encourage you to give that one a rewatch. And also, if you're up for it, I know it's probably asking too much, but I would encourage you to uh, try to listen to some of the soundtrack in okay. isolation, like independent of the movie, because like, I revisited that multiple times since we did that recording, and I, there's a lot there. There's okay. a lot of good stuff. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, The Northman. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was a great conversation. I had a lot of fun, yeah, Kyle. it was a good um, time. 
hopefully hopefully we can keep up the trend for the other 2022 releases that we'll be talking about through august but um yeah this was the northman uh from director robert eggers um it was kyle's pick which means the pick will be to me next week i'm not entirely sure what's going to be so stay tuned but uh, in the meantime, folks at home, if you'd like to catch up on any of our catching up on cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website, or at least most of it, because I haven't updated it as regularly <laughs> as one would hope. Uh, catching up on cinema.com. Uh, and you can also find us on the social media in the form of the Twitter at catching up on cinema, as well as uh, the Instagram at catching up on cinema. Uh, I think it's catching cinema on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, but uh, you can also find us on pretty much every podcasting platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. Uh, so be sure to Google that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Yeah.